0: Hey there, it is Mr. Beat. This is another episode of 10 questions here. and I've been doing these more and more, it seems like actually, because they're just so much fun. I've been talking to YouTubers and this time we have a YouTuber from the Netherlands, another one across the Atlantic Ocean, two in a row because the I talked to Jay Foreman last time. so but this time it is Kaylee During. Uh, she runs the channel History with Kaylee it is a a channel about ancient peoples and ancient stuff basically old stuff old people from a long time ago much longer uh, uh in the pa- much more distant the much more distant past than what i normally cover but that's kind of why i enjoy watching her videos because uh, it's just a topic i know very little about archaeology <laughs> so uh and she makes it very easy to understand and i appreciate that so much so please everyone welcome to the to 10 questions uh kaylee during hi guys (laughs) did i pronounce your last name correctly
1: Good enough, good enough. Yeah. I mean for an American, you did perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for an American, yes. <laughs> well, welcome. Yeah. Uh, tell t- tell everyone uh, else like what, what did I like when you uh, tried to describe your channel, how do you describe it to them?
1: So I describe my channel as uh, it's covering ancient history, focusing on the Stone Age, human evolution, and new archaeological discoveries, mostly. And then sometimes I venture into other topics like ancient inventions, ancient Queens, things like that.
0: Yeah. Ancient aliens. No kidding. No,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's my fact or fiction playlist. Uh, One of my fun playlists where I debunk BS.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Good times. Yeah. Well I I appreciate you coming on an episode here for the folks who have no idea what this, how the, the format is. We have both come up with ten questions. We didn't tell each other the questions ahead of time. They are ten questions that are open-ended, and we'll go back and forth. It may sometimes the questions, in fact, often the questions have nothing to do with each other. But we don't have to go in a certain order. Like if we find like, oh, we're already kind of talking about then anyway, you can jump ahead to you know like. But uh, yeah. to keep us on track. I usually have this little ticker because otherwise I I will. I will lose track. So this is mostly for my benefit, but also the audience. Uh, Yeah. And uh, if you're in the chat, thanks for being here. I see you, Darren Evans. Um, Greetings from across the pond. But uh, yeah, if you have questions uh, for Kaylee or myself, I'll try to to answer them as best best as we can before, or as we go. But mostly we're just going to answer, or we'll save those for the end of this. So yeah all right well yeah i'll all start right. it up. So right. much, this is an easy one it's related to what you just said but uh why did you start making our ar- archaeology videos kaylee
1: <laughs> well um for uh, many years after my surgery i got surgery in 2012 where they removed my tailbone and i became uh sort of disabled because of the recovery process from that, which takes quite a long time. For me, it was many years. And I was a bit depressed and at home and I was often researching things, but never really doing anything with the information that I was gathering. And after many years, I think it was, well, 2020 is like eight years after my surgery. That's when I decided to just, I don't know, write a script from, some of the things that I had been researching, which were uh, the standing stones of Cullinish on the Isle of Lewis and Harris in Scotland. And it was a archeological survey that I found, which was like 400 pages that I completely read and then wrote a script about. I hated my life during that time, but at the same time was excited. So, um, And I don't know from one moment to the other, I just decided I'm going to grab a camera and I'm going to film this. And I started editing it and I uploaded it to my YouTube channel, which was pre-existing with like cat videos and like, you know, trying to learn how to film and learn how to edit, but not being serious about YouTube, which is all privated now. And that first video is also privated because the audio is just bad and its it's, quality is it's not good. So it had to like be gone. It's cursed. But there was always this love for history and archaeology. So me researching it and just keeping that information to myself kind of felt selfish in a way. So I decided to just share that with the world. And I don't know, maybe 10 people would like it. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the thought in my head, like maybe 10 people will like my stuff. Never knowing where I would be now, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's I, I can relate to that origin story, definitely because my first audience was my students in real life that I forced to watch my video, and uh oh, nice I yeah, I in fact, I think some of my earliest videos are also privatized because I was like, this is crap, the audio, <laughs> yeah, the audio sucks or the lighting or just the way I talked. <laughs> um yeah however i need to bring this up because <laughs> i noticed that you still left a couple of those older videos on uh, public of you singing mm-hmm. you're a good singer
1: yeah thanks <laughs> yeah Yeah. i don't often do it anymore yeah no that's uh from a long time ago back when i still performed often and uh yeah stopped doing
0: that you yeah. performed or were you in a band
1: Uh, Not really. There's like these jam sessions that they have near where I live. And that's like people that all play instruments. And then it's like a jam session night. So it's like in a bar where they have like a stage and you have all the instruments. It's all been arranged for you. And then you come in and then if someone can play a drum for like a song that someone wants to sing, they can just sit behind the drums and it's all very fluid. Like yeah. nothing is prearranged. It's just that, hey, you call up front, like I want to sing this particular song, and then as soon as everyone comes in, they like try to find the musicians for each song.
0: Yeah, we have similar things in the United States, uh, but but they're, they're not very common. They're awesome though. Yeah, that's yeah, neat. they're really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird how many um, history tubers in particular that are also musicians and. Or perform on the stage you know like i always yeah. joke around kind of half jokingly at this point that we should all start a band i was just like we should yeah, yeah. i mean like uh there's some, it's so weird um anyway uh so yeah check out not only uh kaylee's archaeology videos uh but the uh the singing videos <laughs> um all right so yeah it's your it's your turn what you got for me
1: well I mean, it's a similar question, but it's, it's like the first. So usually it's a similar question. So my first question was not only why did you start making videos and how did you decide on your niche, but also was it because of you wanted to reach more people outside of your classroom, like spread the knowledge further? Was it more like that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm also like just passionate about, what I teach or what I taught in the classroom, which um, primarily it was American history, American government, and uh, geography, and then later economics. And I just, uh, I mean, you know, it's the same reason why, I mean, I I started out teaching middle school, and then I moved up to high school. I kind of went back and forth. I, I I liked to teach high school more than middle school, mostly because I felt like I had more of an impact and like um, I could like narrow in or kind of reach more kids with their, what they were going to be passionate about because when I had them in middle school, it was, it was all kids that just had to take my class. Where in high school, um, some of them took it for fun as electives as we call them. And also I had more students in high school that uh, just, I just, I don't know. They, a lot of times you kind of, you remember your high school teachers more than you remember your middle school or elementary. Like they had more of an impact on you. I felt. And, and then, yeah, like I made the videos to extend my classroom around the world. Although it was purely accidental in the beginning because I, when I first made my videos public was 2011 and uh, I still wasn't really anticipating um, anybody else other than my own students watching them. And so, yeah, when I realized that other teachers were playing my videos to their students, that's when a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, okay, maybe I should take this more seriously. And so by 2013, I had like really, but also like my background before I got into teaching was broadcast journalism. So I was, I was making videos for fun uh, or for previous jobs anyway. So I just kind of combined. Yeah, I combined it all. And it's like, YouTube didn't exist when I first graduated college the first time, 2004. I always tell people that it's like, but now it's a career. So um yeah. never know. Like I say, I just told my daughter this yesterday. It's like, find out what you're most passionate about and then um, do it, like become the best at it. <laughs> because if yeah. you become the best at it, that means you can monetize it. You can make a living off of it. Um, there, I mean, you're a singer, we just established that I'm a singer too. I'm a much worse singer than you are, but like (laughs) the problem with singers is there's just too much of us. There, I mean, there are literally probably billions of human beings that can sing on the planet, and so it's like unless you are Whitney Houston, um, or do do the kids, Mariah Carey, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) then, uh you know, you might find something else to to get real because you know we have lots of passions. You've you found the passion of like combining like ancient history um, combined with making uh, videos, conversational yeah videos. So yeah, that's uh, it's nice that YouTube lets us do this. <laughs>
1: yeah, for real. Like when you started, it wasn't something that you could could monetize even. Well, I mean, 2011, yeah. just, just barely monetizable, like, yeah.
0: I think around that I time. Think it was
1: about 2010, 2010, 2011 that they yeah. started to like un- unroll that. Yeah, I
0: think so. Well, that was when Crash Course started was I think 2010. And even yeah, I remember when, Jenna Marbles. Well, the only <laughs> yeah, the only reason why they actually, um, I mean, they, they weren't making money from ads though back then. They were only making money from yeah grants from YouTube. YouTube just gave them a grant. To start, yeah, yeah, so it's times have changed. (laughs) Hey, I got a speaking of musicians who are also history tubers. Shout out to Genie Vlogger, who's in the uh, (laughs) he's also a musician. Yeah, he's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be the history band, (laughs) YouTube history band, just gonna happen now. (laughs) Damn it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the name would have to be like uh, uh. I very broad, I because
1: we all have like these very different niches in like history. Yeah. So the name would have to be like quite broad, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. I, I did have an idea for a band that we could all have, uh, for a band name, I mean. Okay, my second question. Um, so who is your audience? Like, how would you describe your audience? <laughs>
1: My audience? Well, that's a fun question. (laughs) So uh, about uh, 90 to 91% are men. Really? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time getting the the women to to watch me. I'm fun girls like trust me, I'm fun. But uh, (laughs) somehow they just barely click on my videos or and I have this theory. Because when I have to disclose that I'm a woman on certain platforms, it's something that I don't do. And therefore, I'm not seen as a female viewer. So it, it's possible that some of the women that are watching me haven't disclosed to Google that they are female. And therefore, they're like seen as other or male. Hmm. Because like the default somehow is male, I think. Um, But yeah, mostly men, uh, and it's mostly from the ages of, like, 35 and up. Um, The biggest pool, I think, is, like, 60 and up.
0: Wow. It's
1: an older audience that I got, yeah.
0: (laughs) Does that surprise uh, you, uh, the fact that it's old dudes like myself? It's it's been
1: like this since the very beginning I started making the videos. And when I started, it was more like uh, architecture, archaeology. That's like what I started with, with like burial mounds and uh, ancient structures that I covered in full detail, full depth, which is also like you want to pull the hairs out of your head when you've researched one of those sites. Because it's a lot of information. And it's extremely dry. And you have to try and make that fun for a viewer. So that's why I kind of stopped doing that. (laughs) But um, I think it's because of that, like, the niche that I started in brought in those people, and yeah, I think I don't know. Like I, I, I wished more ladies would watch me, <laughs> especially oh, yeah. ladies my own age. Like I'm only thirty-two, so please, girls in the thirties, watch me. <laughs>
0: That's interesting. Oh yeah, like uh, maybe you're changing. Super that. weird. It is weird. But
1: hey, when I do a sponsored video or like I've got brands, I am within the black media and they arrange like my uh, sponsor deals for me. And they always say like your audience is like perfection for them to try and sell me to a brand because it's like all these adult people who all have money (laughs) who watch Kaylee. So like do a sponsorship with her and they all want me like it's it's I I. More than often, say no to a sponsored deal because I'm like, I don't want every other video to be a sponsored deal.
0: Yeah. Oh boy, I wish I could do that. Yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> my goal is to not do sponsorships <laughs> anymore because it just, oh. Yeah. It, it always it's would not really my thing. Enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always justify it as like, oh, I got bills to pay, I got a family to feed, <clears> and. But I, I wonder, I really do. More, yeah, like when I'm more financially secure, maybe I can just start saying, screw it. I'm not going to take sponsorships anymore. Um, yeah. Donate on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting, though. I I would not have guessed it would be 90, more than 90% male. Um, yeah. And I know you, well, yeah. kind of tangential to, to this. I mean, I follow you on Twitter uh, or X, <laughs> whatever. And I know you get a lot of like uh you know, misogyny fun and stuff. Yeah, like just rude dudes that um like objectify you and like talk about always talking about your appearance and I was like I wonder, yeah. yeah, like maybe that's related. The fact that you have so many uh well it's
1: it's fun because it's either the younger generation, so that's between twenty and forty. Uh, of the red-pilled people that attack me and it's or otherwise it's like the 60 or 50 60 plus uh old-fashioned misogynistic men (laughs) but they both come at me like in the same sort of fashion so it's like how dare I have a full chest that I was born with and was given to me you know (laughs) she's she must be a stripper she must go back to like the, the red lights in Amsterdam, like it's the people, I'm just the person, like this is what I got. <laughs> in the Netherlands, plastic surgery is not cheap, it's not something that I can get like money for, I don't even wanna change my appearance, like it's this is who I am, this is what I've been given, I don't like myself, but I've learned to accept myself and then people attack me for wearing tight clothes, I've got this like, sensory issue with clothes when it comes to like clothes being very loose fitted. It feels weird and it makes me extremely uncomfortable and it itches and it just somehow like starts to burn after a while when it's not tight like a hug. Clothes need to be like a hug for me. So even when I wear like a loose sweater in the winter, there will always be like a tank top underneath that's very tight so that at least something is like hugging me. Uh, it's 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 a '90s thing, I think. Like people from the '90s, late '80s, often wore like a shirt, like a tank top, underneath their clothes, because that's just how we grew up. And I still do that because yeah, it's it's weird. It's a sensory issue. So people attack me for like being, um, how do you say it? Like they they sexualize the fact that I have myself in the thumbnails, and it's. Um, I'm being suggestive. That's the thing they often oh, say. Like, I'm being suggestive.
0: That they Even though, like, up.
1: usually I'm like clothed up until my neck. Like, how? What? <laughs> I do not understand this at all.
0: And if I wear like, like a t shirt, <laughs> um, in a thumbnail, and I'm often in the thumbnail, I have never been called suggestive. Like, imagine someone saying- <laughs> Matt, e, you're so like, suggestive. You know, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> That's crazy. I it's, I guess it yeah. shows that we have a long ways to go um, in terms of um, yeah. equality. And, and people are like, well, um, you know, feminism, I don't know what, you know, this whole new wave of feminism is ridiculous. I'm like, it wouldn't be needed if we had made progress, but we haven't. Like, we still have to deal with this. Yeah. Here in the United States, we still, I'm always talking about how um, you know, it's it's the quiet part out loud. It's the fact that when um, a, a female it runs for president, they are always scrutinized way more than a male. Like, we're, we see that right now with Nikki Haley. Um, and then also like um, Kamala Harris, the first female vice president in American history. Like people will just attack her for stuff that is ridiculous. I mean, I don't like, why are you attacking her? Even, for all that? even
1: like with, with as, a, as a woman with clothes, what I'm wearing, if someone who had a smaller cup size was wearing the exact same clothes, they would not get that sense that that same level of harassment. Because yeah. it's we women with, like, a little bit of a fuller chest, we get attacked for being sexually suggestive even though we're wearing normal, modest clothes. Well, like, there are women with less sorry. on the chest that show everything, like, boobs out, everything, cleavage here and there, and I don't even want to do that because that draws even more attention to it. Like, I just prefer it to be just, like, Covered. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) that makes me feel good.
0: I guess my bigger point that I'm trying I was trying to work towards is that it doesn't even matter. Like it's always about their appearance. Like no matter how you look, yeah, there'll always be something like men will critique. And especially YouTube It's not a
1: man, so they justify the fact that they can critique us to death because it's never good enough in their minds.
0: I mean, people do talk about my appearance, like I you know, oh Mr. (laughs) Beat, you have oily skin, and I was like, Yes, I do. And uh you have small ears or a big nose or whatever. I get a lot of Jewish comments. People so many people think I'm Jewish because I made an anti-Semitism <laughs> video. But uh the you know it's oh, nothing no. compared to I think what you go to go through and all female creators on this platform. And I think part of it is mm-hmm. because most of the viewers on YouTube still are male. And I think that's yeah we just need to get I guess we just need to change the culture on this dang um uh, platform. <laughs> that's what yeah we do. Uh, sorry to bring all that up.
1: No, that's fine. That's the like uh I I've actually decided to just, you know, I'm gonna abandon Twitter and only share my video link from February onward, because in February my account will be 10 years old. And on that anniversary, the decade on Twitter, I've decided to just abandon the platform. But uh-huh. I don't want my account to be deactivated, so it's just just the video links. No responses, I'll just check my DMs for the people that I've been talking to, like the professors and everything that I've spoken to through Twitter, so that that can at least remain. Yeah. But I'm, stop, I'm gonna completely stop engaging with people on Twitter because the harassment the past few weeks have been extreme. And I'm just done.
0: Yeah. Well, good, good for you. I was gonna actually- I, I started threads. Yeah, is yeah. way Better. It's way more, uh, it's less yeah. toxic there. Actually blue sky is my favorite, but there's not enough people. Yeah. There. I've also
1: got the blue sky.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Yes.
1: Got them both. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. It's like, I it's, changed that. We all are in a dilemma with uh, Twitter because we have a following there and we have connections there that we don't want to give up. Cause, um, and so I, I have been tempted to do the same thing, but I'm also like, well, but I would be abandoning a lot of people. I feel like,
1: I don't want to like delete it because, hello, I've been on the platform nearly 10 years for a reason. On Twitter, I wasn't necessarily just work and no, no play. Twitter for me, because it predates my YouTube channel, is a lot more my personal thoughts and my life and sharing a little bit behind the scenes of who I am as a person. And I enjoyed that a lot to be able to show people more of who I am, but... It's getting to a point where I just don't feel safe on the platform to continue doing that. But I don't want to like get rid of it. I I built everything up from the ground on it. I just got like more than 10,000 followers. Like I don't like having to get rid of it. It's just, you know, just video links and we'll see what the future holds if Elon maybe one day just sells Twitter again, just makes it and people make it back into Twitter the way it was when it was good. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's always sucked. but
1: <laughs> It always has sucked in a way, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Because it brings out the work. I agree enough. there. You know, yeah. It, uh, thank you. I got a super chat here. I'll just put that up here. Thank you, uh, to Imon. Hello, Mr. Beat. I always love these live streams. You probably get this a lot, but enjoying your content has part, partly inspired me to pursue mm-hmm. history and education in college. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you so much. That's why we do this. I mean, more than anything to inspire folks like yourself to learn. And uh, yes, thank you. And we uh, I I see Mrs. Beat in the chat. That's good because uh, we have some trolls. So that's always. So it's your turn, though. Kaylee so
1: yeah, yeah it's my turn so uh the second question was also channel related for you but that's uh the why and when did you create the second channel and what made you decide to create that second channel
0: oh the music one yeah the, um yeah. For, for those who don't know I have a second channel called the beat goes on where it's mostly music, music uh, good plug.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: of course half <laughs> my life uh but uh yeah, I mean, it, I also do film history a little bit. It's just like I had the idea, like uh, when my daughters were younger, and I was like, "Man, they just got to know about all this, this, uh, this art, man, from the past." It, kids these days, they got to learn about what the good art. Because um, I uh, grew up fairly uncultured, and I feel like when I took a film class, for example, in college, I felt like how did I not know about all this, these great films, you know, like um, I remember watching one flew over the cuckoo's nest in college. And I was like, this is a movie that, well, I was very sheltered for one thing, but i never would have watched it. Otherwise I never would have got out of my bubble with, in terms of that. And then music as well, especially music. And so I was like, well, I'll make this for my daughters because they need to know all the, I'll make a video about the pixies because dad gummit, they need to know about the Pixies. And then at the same time, my students in real life, like I, they didn't. Oh, you don't know about the Pixies? Come on. And uh, so I just turned it into a channel. And it's interesting because um, it's mostly just, I think, nostalgia driven because so many of the, the folks that watch the videos over there, it's just like they already know about all these bands and they just want to relive the history of them. And- yeah. So I don't know, but it's it's meant for younger folks, you know, like because you know even the Beatles, y- you'd be surprised how many uh, Gen Z um, are you considered? You're considered a millennial, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Barely, maybe. I don't. I'm know. I'm
1: from '91,
0: so. Oh yeah, that's that's what I, I don't. Now. Yeah, yeah. So Gen Z, a lot of those, a lot of the the Gen Z folks, they still really like they've heard of the Beatles, yeah, but they don't really understand why we still um, make a big deal out of them today. So did I, the, the, did yeah. I answer your question? Was that your, I don't I forgot what your question was.
1: Yeah. The why and when you created your second channel.
0: So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And I, the first episode I did was Radiohead, which is my favorite band. And I did that, um, what was it? 2017. And honestly, I may, I, I like, I still enjoy making those videos more than the videos on this channel. <laughs> um, yeah. but they don't it's do a it. a fashion well. project exactly yeah. yeah So you have any other channels
1: <clears throat> no not yet no maybe one day
0: if you no. started an, a second channel what would be the the focus
1: well when i uh decided on pursuing well that's not like pursuing youtube seriously but like i said in the past i created some cat videos learned how to edit learned how to film uh because i just that was a journey already It's not easy, and um, so I I wanted to make a YouTube channel and I was passionate about history, but I'm I'm also very intrigued by like the true crime stuff, mostly like Mm. I, I watch true crime a lot and it's usually stuff from like the States, which is fun, but I was thinking about maybe doing a true crime channel with like European crime cases because they don't get aired as much and they're not very
0: well known, so yeah. Well, maybe that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love it. Um, I th- this will be a segue then to my next question. <laughs> is from uh, nice. the well, Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> being from the Netherlands, uh, I was telling you before we went live that I just love your country. And ever since I researched it for a video um, comparing it to, to Belgium, I was just like, "Man, I want to move there, or at least you know stay there for a long time." Um, but what are <clears throat> what are the biggest misconceptions about the the Netherlands? Ooh,
1: um, globally misconceptions or like from the United States because they're a bit different. Both. <laughs> Okay, so we'll start with the States. People often think that I hate the United States because sometimes I say the name of the United States a little bit funny. That's because I've got a lot of friends in the United States and they all know me that I'm a very sarcastic Dutch person. And I I, I, I love to make fun of the States as they love to make fun of my tiny country. So it's just a little bit of that, that I barely can say United States seriously. Uh, (laughs) But... Often, when people from the States find out that I'm Dutch, it's like, do you, do you live in a windmill? Do you wear clogs?
2: Yeah. <laughs> no?
1: no? <laughs> like, <laughs> windmills, people live in them, yes. People still live in them. Uh, but windmills have a function. So, you would only live in them if being a miller was your job. And even then, people nowadays decide not to live in them because they can just build a house right next to it, which is much larger because living in a windmill is a very tiny, tiny space. Uh, Clogs, there are people that still wear them. My um, neighbor in my previous home wore them daily. (laughs) The sound is mm, weird when you hear someone walking in clogs, but it's not common. Anymore, Like it hasn't been common in about 50 years, I think. So misconception number two. Uh, Misconception number three, that weed is legal. It's not. Weed in the Netherlands, cannabis, it's not legal. It's accepted. So the coffee shops that sell the weed can sell it legally because it's accepted, but their produce, like getting the weed to them, that's all illegal. All the grow houses are illegal. So up until it's brought into the back door, it's completely illegal. <laughs> so it yeah, uh, not a good thing from the Dutch government. I think we're losing a lot of money on that. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, it's not the growing weed, I can see people in the chat that said that are saying it's not illegal. Yeah, growing weed. More than five plants is illegal. Uh, I've grown weed in the past myself for fun. I had two plants. Uh, I had a neighbor that wanted to call the cops because you can't have plants. The cops came and they were like, yeah, you only have two. It's fine because it's just two plants. I know how much you can get from two plants. That's not enough for a day's stock in the coffee shop. That's maybe like an hour's worth of their produce that they're selling. Mm-hmm. So technically it's illegal to grow it because you need a lot of it to give to coffee shops to sell. So yeah, um, they don't necessarily lock you up but they take your produce and they burn it. Like they get rid of it, they destroy it. So not fun. But that that's definitely a misconception there. Uh, another misconception is that the Netherlands is like Amsterdam.
0: <laughs>
1: it's really not. Like, no, I, I I'm from North Holland, the same province where Amsterdam is located.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I've been to Amsterdam in my entire life. I'm 32. I've been there nine times. I only live about 40 minutes' drive away from Amsterdam. I've been there nine times. Eight times was mandatory with school. One time was because I decided to go there because my sister wrote a book, and I decided to go to like the reveal of the book and the presentation of that, and so that she could write in the book that I was buying at the location. But yeah, <laughs> I don't like Amsterdam. It smells like weed, it stinks like sweat. People aren't nice. Even the Dutch people that live there are stuck up and aren't really nice. <laughs> so, Amsterdam is not my thing. I prefer Haarlem, which is uh, another city close to Amsterdam. It's about 10-15 minute train ride or Utrecht, another 15-20 minute train ride. Beautiful cities, beautiful canals, lovely people, good atmosphere. I, I suggest go places like that and, you know, go to, fly into the Netherlands through Schiphol airport, which is not in Amsterdam. It's near Amsterdam, but not in Amsterdam, and just take a train either north, east, west or south, but don't go to Amsterdam. It's a waste of your money, it's a waste of your time. The country is beautiful and we have so much to offer besides our capital yeah
0: that's interesting but, a just, misconception i didn't i didn't expect you to just totally trash amsterdam
1: <laughs> oh yeah no sorry i i've been very vocal about it like in my on my channel and like in my personal life and even online i i'm i do not like amsterdam it's too crowded like i had to drive there a couple months ago because of that book signing from my sister it took me 40 minutes from the edge of the city to the damn, damn square where I needed to be, which isn't even in like the center center of it. 40 minutes. I stood like s- still in front of a-, a traffic light that was on red for 10 minutes. Why, why, why hurt me like this?
0: <laughs> I mean, you, you're complaining about 40 minutes. To get from one end of Los Angeles to the other, it's like two and a half hours. So
1: but Los Angeles is big compared to Amsterdam. Amsterdam's yeah. a tiny.
0: Well, that's why it's Amsterdam, super tiny. Like, if I lived in Amsterdam, I wouldn't drive. I would totally walk or bike everywhere. Yeah,
1: but I'm not going to take the train from where I live because then I have to like take the bike to the bus then the bus to the train then the train to another train then that train to another train then to amsterdam then a subway and then walk to where i should be going i'm already going insane thinking about that because i live rural in the in my country like i don't live near a city like all i got around me i've got like this town where my boyfriend lives where i'm going to live soon uh, we don't even have 500 inhabitants, and it's all paddocks around us, and wow. it's like the big lake. So I'm surrounded by nature here. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very nice. The thing I'm always fascinated the most about the the Netherlands is uh, the land reclamation, like the uh, turning ocean to land. <laughs> That's a just. Blows my mind. Oh, there's
1: this fantastic hmm. video. Let me see if I can find it for you real quick. If everything is okay, I'm not gone. But I have to like see if I can find this in my um
0: You can share where it. How do
1: I, I do this? Yeah, like I want to share a link, like history and then mm-hmm.
0: if you go to the I bottom sh- where it says watch this
1: yeah. I watched this recently on the um yeah, this is it. Share, copy the link. All right, all right. Where were you again? Oh my God, I lost you. Ah, here you are. Nice. Okay. So I'll put it in the comments here, in the comments section, the, the chat.
0: Oh, okay. And well, so and the, the, the. Go ahead. I can
1: also put it in like the comments later.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so while,
1: that video is about the Delta Works in South Holland okay. where we did. Uh, a bit of the land reclamation, but mostly it's a safeguard to keep us from drowning. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Want to drown.
1: so, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to drown, so we built that after uh, quite a big flood happened in 53 and uh, it was like, do we keep drowning or do we try and remain uh, dry Feeded. So yeah, good video. Nice uh, explanation as well. Like it, it, I, I was enthralled by it, and that's why I share it. Yeah.
0: Sorry. What? Uh, what was the name of the video? I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna show it uh, briefly. Like if I search it's, on uh, YouTube,
1: how the Dutch realized this insane mega project by hindsight.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll just. Uh, I think I found it. Yeah. Um. While I'm showing this, there's a question for you there. Um, why do you Ooh. think some people are so passionate about people like Graham Norton and are so biased against academia?
1: I love the fact that he's saying Graham Norton and not Graham Hancock because that's his real name. But I like I prefer Graham Norton.
0: Graham Norton <laughs> so is a... the yeah. Let's not get twisted. Graham Norton <laughs> yeah. is a talk show host out of the UK. Yeah. Uh, Graham, Graham but, Hancock is, I think, who you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, why people are so passionate about people like him and biased against academia. I think the reason for that is because people have this innate sense of we want to believe in something grand. We all have this. We all want to believe in the fairy tale. We all want to believe like... Um, vampires exists, and werewolves exists, and mm. like aliens and all that stuff because it's fun, it's exciting, it makes your heart pump faster, it's intriguing. So I understand why people are passionate. And the main issue that I have with um, uh, people like Graham Hancock, I don't have anything against him personally because I understand he just wants to make money, he wants to make a living. I respect that. But the issue I have is he is a journalist that poses himself as a man of knowledge and that he should be the one to be trusted even though he has not studied these things. He hasn't he doesn't have an academic background. He doesn't understand a lot of things that he's talking about and he shares a lot of misinformation about it. So in his um, Netflix series that he did, his son is an executive producer at Netflix. So that's why he got the series, not because he's such a great grand man, but because his son worked there and pushed that idea to Netflix. People don't know that, but it's a thing. So in the very first episode, they talk about Gunung Padang, which is a volcanic rock formation in Indonesia. And on the top of it people built structures many years later like uh, I think it's like 2000 maybe 3000 years ago that they started doing that Uh, maybe a little bit earlier but like not much earlier Uh, Neolithic period let's keep it at that but there's a guy in Indonesia uh, Natawi Jaja I think is his name and he was in the show and Graham asked him to like, uh, asked him about that massive structure because according to them, it's the oldest pyramid in the world uh, because that Jaja guy did some cord drilling and the cord drilling came up with like deep inside that volcanic rock formation uh, are like stones that are like 25,000 years old or something like that or 12,000 12, years old, whatever, it's 20,000, something like that. Yeah, of course you can find that in a rock formation that developed around that time. That doesn't mean that it's man-made, that it's a man-made structure. <laughs> Not at all, actually. That just shows when it was created by nature. <laughs> so it's insane to me that um, people take that word from like that TV show, Netflix show. And now it's like, that's the oldest. And Graham Hancock is telling the truth. And all the academics are lying. He's constantly bashing archaeologists that have studied this, that have spent years of their lives studying archaeology and ancient things and trying to understand the scope of history. And he's just there, a journalist. He writes books. He writes fiction books. Mm And it's not even like good writing, but that's my personal opinion. But yeah, I think um, he poses himself as the one with the answers, the one with the truth. Meanwhile, he's lying to the masses. He's spreading misinformation and he's making people distrust academics, even though the academics are the ones that are in the field. If Graham Hancock, and this is my thing, if Graham Hancock was as amazing as people say he is, why hasn't he funded an archaeological excavation right. at one of the sites that he's spoken about? Why is he not funding what he tries to um, show people as the truth? Like, fund an excavation, show people that what you're saying is the truth. Go, go ahead. he's rich enough to do it like honestly he's he's sold more than enough books he can like for the next 40 years he can fund excavations back to back worldwide i'm sure like the man is loaded and good for him but why isn't he why isn't he doing things like that why is he just bashing the academics making them look bad making himself looked like a social pariah even though he brought it to himself and people (laughs) usually don't attack him, the person, but they attack his work. Which to me are two different things. I'm Kaylee. I am not my work. My work is attached to me, but I am not my work. I'm more than my work. I have more to offer than just my work, just like you. So he has that as well. I'm sure he can be a, a really nice man. If you meet him, I'm sure he's a great family man, all that stuff, like respect the grind, but I don't like the work.
0: Yeah. That was a great rant. I loved it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. We should clip that later. Yeah, this is and me
1: being it. passionate.
0: That was really good. And uh, I couldn't even Dutch more. there for a second. I think at the root of the of it is kind of what you were saying at the beginning. Um, people believe what they want to believe, and yeah. it's it, it feels good to like be in the secret. Like, listen, group. I want to believe in eternal life. I'm scared yeah. of death,
1: like scared to death of death. So, I mean, if vampires existed and I could live forever, honey, sign me up. Like, I don't
0: want to live forever. Yeah, <laughs> that terrifies me. I, I do.
1: I do want to live forever, like. <laughs> But at least after like a thousand years, I can say, okay, I've had enough and then kill myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, vampires can still do that. Like stick <laughs> to my heart. And that. But like at least I, I lived a thousand years.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I agree with that. But yeah, like also yeah. the what you were saying about like his motives matters a lot. Like follow the money. I, I really think that um cliche um phrase is is true. Often yeah. Like it's as simple as that, you know, these archaeologists, these <coughs> experts in the field, they dedicate them lives to something very specific. Uh, when we say dedicate their lives, I mean, we're talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life uh, studying a very specific part I of the know, world, a very specific era. Like and like I, have I know of archaeologists
1: different. that were at like digs while their partners were in labor. They weren't at the birth of oh, their maybe. child because they were in the field. Yeah. And at that moment, there's a split decision of like, continue my work or the excavation has to be halted because I need to leave. Yeah. And that's massive for them because you don't want an entire excavation that has been funded, which isn't easy to get. And all like all the paperwork and everything, all the legality of it has to be arranged up front. Like there's an excavation season for a reason. And it has to continue. Yeah. So yeah, if your partner is in labor, you just sometimes you can't leave because you're the head of, you're the one that's arranging everything, things like that. It's a passion that they have for their work, and they're being attacked.
0: That's what it extremely. is. Extremely, their passion for the tr- passion truth, passion for the survival Barry. of the species, passion, and and they're not doing yeah. it for the money. It's the point. Like most of the no. science, most scientists in the world don't really make that much money. That's something we should bring up more. It's like the people that are yeah. multi-millionaires like Graham Hancock. I mean, we're talking like he's probably worth a, tens of millions of dollars at least.
1: Probably. And it's yeah. all
0: a grift. It is all, and people fall uh-huh. for it because like, Oh, he says cool yep. things. Yeah. That makes me feel better about myself. So I'm going to believe him. Yeah. yeah. It, that's yeah. Uh, I used to be that way. It's a, and I hate to bring this up, but it's, it's a, it's a religious way of thinking. Like, I, I don't know if you're religious or not but I I Hopefully. used to be very religious and when I was younger and that's how I th- I viewed the world like I felt like I had this special special knowledge and I was a part of this special group and we were going to get we had salvation coming to us and not those other people you know like Yeah it's, it's crazy uh, <laughs> I'm glad Yeah my have... mom
1: is very my mom was a spiritual floaty type and my dad is like this extreme atheist
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't call it. Thankfully, they split when
1: I was young, so I have no idea how their conversation (laughs) were. Like, thank God, because I bet they didn't have fun. But, yeah, they both grew up in, like, the apostolic society, which is, like, uh, also slightly cult-like, not Christian, but they still talk about, like, God and Jesus and all that stuff. But in a weird way, uh, it's weird. Yeah. So I understand why they both went to their extremes, even though they were opposites.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I, I, I know a lot of people just are terrified by just admitting that they don't know anything. Um, but to me, it's I'm been very agnostic. liberating. Uh, yeah. Like, I, and I yeah. think most scientists too would say that that oh, I don't really know much. Like most scientists would, they like science. Science is not a belief. It's it's there whether yeah. you believe in it or not. It science is a process. And there is no end to it. There's no like no. truth at the end. It's always just trying to find the truth. And when you actually understand what science is, like when people are like, oh yeah, we were told to believe the science and look what they're what that led us. Scientists are wrong all the time. Experts are wrong all the time, yeah. but they learn from their mistakes. And now I'm ranting. So um, that drives That's fine. Up.
1: They wanna grow. They wanna like progress. And that's science. You yeah. make mistakes. And then you try again until you get it right.
0: They and start you with, I don't know.
1: If you keep failing, then you keep trying. <laughs> you keep
0: going. I'm like, yeah. I'm like everyone else who starts with, I have all the answers. I know the truth. And then I'm going to find evidence to back up what I already believe. But it's also
1: like when but you look do. at the most intelligent people on like the planet, when you look at like the the scope of intelligence, people with low intelligence will think they know everything. And people with high intelligence oh, yeah. will Thanks, think sir. they know nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The older I get, I just I feel like an idiot every day. Like, it's it's really bad. Yeah. Same. An, imposter syndrome yeah. is real. Uh, but we better move along. Uh, I think it's yeah. your turn.
1: Uh, I've got the third question for you. Yeah. So uh, this wasn't history related or anything, but this is just my, I I, I have to know this. <laughs> Who is your favorite musician or band from the nineties since I'm a nineties baby. And I'd like to know which musician from my decade is your favorite.
0: Oh, I kind of answered it earlier, but I can give you a more thorough answer. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, Radiohead is my favorite band. Uh, my second favorite band is Weezer and, but Weezer has continued to make great music in recent years. Uh, my, but as far as like what I grew up with, uh, cause you know, I, I, uh, I'm 42 years old so I when I was in middle school and high school that was the 90s and so that was like the formative years of discovering music and I think that was I mean I said earlier in college I discovered a lot of music but really you know the alternative staples of um back in the mid-90s radio was still good actually because um giant corporations hadn't bought up all the local stations. And so there were, there were good local stations and DJs actually got to play whatever they wanted. And they, they picked out, I mean, they, so like uh, there were bands that um, never would get played in the mainstream today that were in the mainstream. That's why I thought it was such a cool time, especially like between 90, between 1993 and 1998, I think is like the golden age of that. Um, because you had like the grunge era that always gets all the attention, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, all those, Soundgarden. But then after that was kind of like just wacky. um, Basically like the, every, every band tried to out weird each other. And one of the examples of that is there's this band called Primus that I really like that Primus was, um, they were like hard rock, but, you know, p- definitely part of the grunge, the post grunge movement, but also like they were just doing weird things. And, uh, and then there were bands that like, uh, like there's another band called cake. That's one of my all time favorite bands. Um, you nice. no other band sounds like them. They mixed, they mix about 15 genres all together. And, um, but really it's just, it, they call it alternative rock but it's really just like a mix of a bunch of things. It's all, it doesn't fit into a category. So that's why they just kind of, it's the same thing with indie rock today. Although indie rock is like, it's such a meaningless label because it's now basically just, you know, it's basically folk rock or dream pop is what indie rock is today. (laughs) It's like, oh, the the vocal, it sounds like it was recorded in a bedroom. So, but yeah, what's your, uh, I know you covered um the the song beep uh i the song Uh,
1: (laughs) b-i-t-c-h yeah yeah. Uh, and so that
0: that's actually that was that same era actually late 1990s um what yeah what do you think about that era of music did do you uh, have any
1: i love it it's um it can be cursed yeah it's uh it's a weird era of music uh Because I'm in the Netherlands and I grew up here, we had like Two Unlimited and the Venga Boys, which was fun. That was like really dope. Not not everyone in like the States know those, (laughs) because I'm not sure if they got big over there. Like some of their music got somewhat big in the past few years. Like some of the the things were used on like TikTok and Musically and apps like that. So at least it got some screen time. Um but yeah for me it's just I remember there was a um <clears throat> song that had like F you in it and I was like about five or six in my mom's living room she had like the radio playing and that song came up and I was just in the living room with like the hand gestures F you and F you and I remember that so vividly. Don't know the song, haven't heard it since, but I mean I remember that and my mom just walked in and was like can't be mad. It's on radio. She's just singing along. She's like, five. She has no idea what she's saying.
0: That was on the radio?
1: (laughs) But I knew it was a bad word. Like, I I was aware of the fact that it was a bad word that I was saying, (laughs) but it was on the radio. So, like, we were very liberal in the Netherlands in the 90s. Um, Way more than we currently are. People that were, like, gay were a lot more accepted in the 90s just like nudity in like movies and like on the street and everything. We weren't as prude as we are now. Weird. Yeah, it's, it, it. We went backwards, I think, in that regard. We were the first to legalize gay marriage, but ever since we sort of went backwards, I feel.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here in the United States, I think we are
1: Americanizing. As a, that's how I try to explain it to other people. Like the Netherlands is Americanizing, and I don't necessarily think it's for the better, because we used to be liberal and free and accepting, and it was just we were like the Neverland, the fairy tale country where everything was perfect, and we aren't like that anymore. We haven't been like that in a long time. No.
0: I think the root of a lot of it is um, the extreme wealth inequality that we see around the world is um, yeah. that those who do have all the assets, um, they like the status quo or they even like to reverse some things. I mean, that the United States, we've definitely become much more socially liberal or to the left in recent decades. I mean, younger people, I think I saw a poll the other day that said like 80 or maybe 85% of Gen Z um, are okay with same-sex marriage. That was unheard of in the 90s for me is it like I, I knew yeah. I had a couple friends that were probably homosexual in high school. They never came out of the closet. Um, we had no one out of the closet in the late 90s where, <laughs> um, because it was just so – and you mentioned the, the FU uh, on the radio – Yeah, in the 90s, well, I mean, still to this day, the FEC, uh, or I'm sorry, FCC, um, not FCC, that's Federal Election Commission, FCC, Federal Communications Commission, um, they don't let you say bad words on the radio. That's like a famous Supreme Court case here where George Carlin's stuff got played on the radio and uh, the radio station got and big trouble. And you, to this day, radio stations can get fined a, lots of money in the United States. So I think that, you know, in some ways, like the Netherlands probably is still more to the left of the United States than you think. It probably just seems, you know, that probably, is it more economical? Because yeah. I know there's, there's, there's a lot of wealth inequality in the Netherlands, isn't there? Is, is it?
1: Yeah, there is. <clears throat> like we used to have universal health, care back in the nineties.
0: You don't anymore? That more. was a
1: thing here. We haven't for a very long time now.
0: Could you elaborate yeah. on Because I thought you still did technically.
1: So, well, we are obligated by law to have an insurance and we pay that monthly. And then you have like this uh, own risk thing. And at the end of the year, when you have like uh, been to appointments, like with specialists and all that stuff, then at the end of the year, that gets like tallied. And if it's... Uh, above your own risk amount and the rest they will pay, but own risk you have to pay that yourself, which is like 360 euros, I think. Um, but so not everyone has that kind of money at the end of the year. Um, then on top of that, like the they took the dentist out of the insurance standard insurance package. So you have to like pay extra if you want the dentist in your package and have that insured. Um, Isn't fun, isn't easy. I pay like 60 euros a month to have a dentist package inserted. I pay about 200 euros a month to be insured. And even when I go to a hospital, I still get like a bill of like two, 300 euros because I went there and saw a specialist. It's not, we pay quite a bit compared to in the nineties when I broke like my wrist and I had to go to the hospital and get an x-ray, get like a cast. And then two week, two, three, four, five weeks later, I had like three casts in total because it wasn't healing correctly. So we had to go back and back and back, more x-rays. My mom barely paid anything back then. <laughs> it was like, yay, you pay like 45 bucks back in the day for like universal healthcare for your entire family you're you're good wow. <laughs> you need like to go to the dentist you're good you need to like get a cast you're good you need glasses you're good <laughs> and now it's not like that oh the own risk is now a 385 because they keep pushing that up up and up everywhere
0: wow.
1: yeah we had like the same prime minister for 13 years and the country went to um uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: That is very American-like. So Although it's not, we, we pay a lot more than you do. I will yeah. say a lot it's more. It's a lot more
1: money <laughs> than you pay. Yeah, uh, but we're getting there.
0: So, hmm. Oh yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, wow. oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, it. You know, it's what's sad is when I left teaching. Um, I was like, originally, I was like, oh, I really need to stay <clears> a teacher <throat> because of the benefits. Because oh, I have this great retirement package and I have great health care, but then I broke down the numbers and I realized it wasn't even that good. I was better just paying it directly uh, in the marketplace, and that yeah. was like a big another light bulb moment for me when I left teaching a couple of years ago or three years now. Yeah, I was twenty twenty one. So yeah, like uh, it sucks. It's um, that's one of the things that I hate most about my country. I, I love my country in many ways, but it's sad that we haven't like. There's a guy in. I, I didn't know him, but I just found out about it this morning. This guy uh, in the town I live, um, he just died of cancer. He wasn't that much older than me. Um, he was an acquaintance. Like, I saw him around town. I'd see him at uh, music trivia and stuff, and uh, I saw his band play live once. And, yeah, he's, like, 50 years old, died of cancer. Uh, just two months ago, He. there was a huge charity concert, and all the proceeds <clears throat> went to pay his medical bills. And before that he had a GoFundMe. He had to raise twenty thousand dollars to pay for his medical bills. and that was, that was <coughs> apparently that didn't even cover all of it. So like we it, like the biggest that um, reminds
1: me of my aunt. Yeah yeah. My aunt gross. has yeah. a multiple sclerosis. and um, many years ago she could go to uh, Mexico for like blood transfusions and all that stuff. And she needed 80,000 euros. So they collected that through like selling things, and people in the town provided like ways to make money for her to give to her so she wow. could get that procedure done. And then a couple years later, because it that one didn't like have the effect that we were hoping for. So, right before I think it was 2019, she again they had to like bring up a lot of charity stuff for like her to another 80,000 euros to get like a treatment in Russia. So, thankfully people were kind enough to like donate and like set up the charity stuff, but yeah, it's that's similar, nearly the same. Unfortunately, yeah. Wow. We don't get help. Like that, that's the problem with it being like americanized, I think.
0: Yeah, because it's, I, it's, it's
1: a shame. Like we were oh, a beautiful country and we were arranged very well
0: there. yeah, I know that we live in a global economy now. And so when we talk about corporations, it's not just even if they are American corporations, they are they're often operating in a, in a world marketplace. And especially um, the pharmaceutical industry and the medical technology, um, you know, they. Yeah it does cost money for research and development, but at the same time, um, (laughs) they, they get a lot of money and they also get taxpayer money, which I get frustrated with. Um, here in the United States, we subsidize the medical industry. Um, we also subsidize the pharmaceutical industry (laughs) and, uh, it's like, oh, um, Oh, we're
1: subsidizing like the oil industry.
0: Oh, that's too. Oh yeah. Like
1: that's what our prime minister did. Like, he, he said that he was going to raise like their their taxes big big companies and then like right before he was supposed to do it he was like no, I'm not going to do it and then people asked him about it and he was like I can't remember that, that was his thing like he, he did that for like 13 years like there's a reason why we pay a lot of money for like monthly insurance even though it used to not be like that before he became prime minister. Wow. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Bummer, I understand bummer.
1: why people voted quite far right in the last election here because they want change. Yes, And they hope that that can change it.
0: You're seeing yeah. the same thing across Europe. It's like it's not really people like, oh, they're they're fascists. I'm like, well, it's not so much that. It's just that they're desperate. We need change. They need, yeah, you need dramatic change. And when the establishment, yeah. which even if the establishment is left leaning, it doesn't matter. They're still the establishment. They are still. Way too cozy with big business. That's the root of it. The, the cozy, the, the you know, big government, big business, all on the same team. I keep trying to tell everyone this. I made a whole video about this. It's the same thing in across Europe as well. Uh, not yeah. as bad, um, but at least like in, you know, Germany, for sure. example, has a good um, system in place um, to, I mean, workers have a lot more rights there. The union membership is a lot higher. There's um, governments ha- are kind of, Local governments in Germany, I know, have to like kind of bend the knee to unions a little bit. Here in the United States, it's interesting. Union membership rose last year more than it had any at any point. I think going back all the way to like the '60s or something, like before I was born. So it's, we are living in, a, I think, a transformative trans, uh, time. Not just, I mean, a- across the world, it's uh, yeah. It's scary though. It is scary cuz like it's time for change. Well, and you know, uh fascism could you know, you, we've I can see people fall for fascists all the time because they are again, they're desperate and when you know, they're just looking to survive and <laughs> so, they're
1: usually the the most vocal about everything.
0: Yeah. And demagogue and they, That's you know, why
1: they get the people like supporting them because they are the ones being extremely vocal about everything and all, all, all that's wrong. And people are like, yeah, I'm done with this, this BS. We need change. And oh, he's screaming the loudest. Yeah. That's my guy.
0: They're always really good at um, pointing out yeah. problems, but they never have solutions. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I'll move on here. As a, we, we're kind of, we need to be more positive. So let's. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Let's see here, more uplifting. uh... Oh yeah, how about this one? Um... No, that's not that positive. Actually, that could be. (laughs) Actually, could be. Well, you also have to
1: do like the tick for like it's. It's going to be the fourth question.
0: Otherwise, oh yes, it is is the fourth. Yes, forget about (laughs) that. (laughs) Okay. Um, I guess I'll ask it anyway. Why are humans so special? Um, Or why? Why do we think that we're why do we think we're so special as human beings?
1: Okay. well, that's a good question. (laughs) So why do humans think that they are special? I think it has to do with the fact that we have this conscience. We are aware of ourselves. Mm. We are aware of what we do. More so than like animals around us animals are aware of their place in the world they are aware of how they navigate their place in the world but they're not aware of how they speak to another person or what um, like a ripple effect that they can create me um, typing to my boyfriend last year uh, yeah, sorry, almost two years ago now. Me making the decision to type to him led to me now living with him. Completely changed both of our lives. That was a ripple effect that I created by making one decision. Animals don't necessarily have that conscious mind of me, an animal deciding, like a lion, deciding to like go for that specific antelope. The lion has no idea what's, what kind of effect that's gonna have on the other antelopes or like the the baby antelope of that antelope he just killed. Like, Doesn't matter, that's food. So I think that's why we see ourselves as special because we are aware of ourselves. We are aware of the fact that we have the ability to change this planet and we have been changing this planet ever since we came into fruition. So um, I look at it like this. The Stone Age, people think like Stone Age happened a couple thousand years ago. No. The Stone Age started 3.3 million years ago. The Stone Age predates humans Mm. and pre-humans. Yeah. The oldest pre-human that created stones 3.3 million years ago were right? They are like our group way back to the family tree, they are one of our ancestors. Mm -hmm. But they were still very ape-like. So, ape-like creatures created stone tools that were developed over time by other pre-human species that continued to evolve and develop until we had Neanderthals, which is like our cousin, which were human. People saying like they weren't human. They were a human species, full-on human, very similar to us, nearly mm-hmm. the same, just that their DNA was slightly different. We had a common ancestor, and that's why we were able to integrate with them. That's why some of many of us carry Neanderthal DNA within, right. within our genomes. Um, why are we special? Because our evolution led to our intelligence and our brains developing like this. We can fantasize. I, I'm not sure if animals are able to like fantasize in the way that we can. I don't think my cat yeah. is sleeping and dreaming about vampires and werewolves.
0: I can yeah, almost- We can see what doesn't exist. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it's more like that
0: that that's why we feel special. Yeah. It's so weird to, um, to think about how, I mean, we we always talk about critically thinking as like this, and this, uh, something that makes us different, different from other, what we call intelligent animals like dolphins or, Mm -hmm. or, uh, crows even, or like chimpanzees, um, other primates, um, And then somebody in the chat mentioned uh, poseable thumbs, but I mean, I think that's part of it, but yeah, you mentioned that the the stone age beginning millions of years before homo sapiens existed. That is uh, I always, uh, I don't think about these things. So that's a, that's a mind blowing fact, actually. I I
1: covered it in a video because I did this um, playlist of like ancient inventions. So like the oldest form of air conditioning, like the oldest yes. freezer, and so also the ancient invention of stone tools. And I knew it was like more than two million years old, like I knew that, I knew it predated Homo erectus, but I wasn't sure if that was Homo habilis. But then I like actually looked into it and then I figured out it was like 3.3 million years ago and I was blown away as well. Like I did not expect that answer. So yeah, it's a, I got the video on my channel if you want to watch
0: it. <laughs> <I think laughs> evolution I think I of stone tools. That might've been the first one I saw of yours actually a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, and a lot of folks don't realize, I, I think this is something we said before we went live as well. Um, Kaylee started her channel at the beginning of the pandemic basically. And so you know i've been doing this since 2011 she's been doing yeah. it. i mean your the your channel has exploded in popularity um, yeah pretty cool <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, i think i came across actually maybe you joined our our uh, history slack group that we had or something but um, yeah. i think that was the first video i watched of yours <laughs> when, was that one of your first uh, big videos the air conditioning one mm, yeah
1: the air conditioning was the the first and My kind of only video that kind of went viral for me. Yeah. That was uh, uh, late August 2021 when I uploaded it. Bit of a weird time for me uh, when I uploaded that because um, I think the day before or the day after I got news that my grandma was in the hospital. So and she was in the hospital for nearly three weeks, maybe even longer than that. And I wasn't able to go to her because miscommunication in the family. But she kept messaging me when I shared like a new thing, like uh, that, this these amount of views or like these amount of subscribers that I gained. I, I used to share that on my Facebook and in the chat on like Messenger. She uh, sent me like how proud she was of me Aww. while the video went viral, and then the video stopped going viral, and the next day she passed. So it was very double sorted. Yeah, Uh, happiest time of my life, including the worst time of my life, because my grandma was like a mom to me.
0: Yeah, sounds like a wonderful, very difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: my uh, my grandpa um, before he passed. This was several years ago, but he was so supportive of um, of me. I'll never forget that. Like, and then certain relatives too. Like, um, you know, like. And friends, you remember like, because even if they don't really get, you know, enjoy what the what you create, but they still support you and they encourage you. And it was like, you know, I'm, yeah. uh, you remember that. And I have a lot of, I have a big family. I have a big extended family. And the vast majority of my family maybe has never watched one of my videos, maybe has never listened to one of my songs. So- I think my in-laws but,
1: have watched more than my own family. <laughs>
0: Oh, you know, it's weird. It's a a weird thing. Um, Not saying that my videos are any good or my music, my music especially is horrendous. But anyway, um, great answer on the human thing. But uh, I, I, yeah, like uh, you put it really well because I I think about these things. um, I just think what makes us any different than any other animal? Oh, is because we were able to, there's a few key differences, but then, at the same time, like at what cost um, when yeah. we, uh, in terms of the entire planet, like, because also uh, oh, I just broke my pen, um, you know, <laughs> it's uh, I sure I'm biased. I'm always biased towards the survival of our own species. But at the same time, I think a lot of times we're shooting ourselves in the in the feet because we're destroying everything around us, which actually is, is the reason why we exist in the first place. <laughs> you know, not to get all. Yeah. On, but, uh, yeah,
1: but yeah, it's like that, for sure. <laughs> all
0: right. It's your, uh, your turn. My turn. Yes, yes. So
1: who's your favorite historical figure and why?
0: Oh, um, I'm biased <laughs> towards American history. Um, we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I always say uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, just because oh. um. Uh, I mean, I always say, I say Gandhi too, but he has kind of, he kind of had creepy vibes uh, about him <laughs> with like his personal life. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll just focus on Martin Luther King Jr. But mostly because of his, his way of protesting and reaching people um, was so effective and inspirational because um, he was able to change a lot of minds with what he did. And he had, I think more of a, of a positive effect on, my country than any other historical figure other than maybe George Washington but you know George Washington owned slaves so there's that <laughs> even though he's still yeah. my favorite president um, but yeah and I, people will counter well Martin Luther King Jr. was a womanizer and um, blah 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 nobody is perfect I think that's this is why it's like bad to glorify any human being yeah. um, but uh, in terms of like the positive qualities I think they you mentioned the ripple effect earlier. He had a huge ripple effect in a positive way. Um, w- without him existing, I think our country would be maybe. I mean, we think about how oh we're such we're living in such horrible times. Think about how much worse it would be without him existing. I think is yeah. important. He product. kind of
1: brought the country together. I think
0: he did. He united. He a connected lot
1: everyone. He was able to like show everyone we're not that different. We're very similar, all of us, even on a global scale. All of us are very similar. We bleed the same blood. We breathe the same air. We all have similar human experiences on this planet. We're not that different just because you grew up in like a different country with like a different innate culture that doesn't make you different from me. Yeah, it's weird to think like that, because when we look at like the past, Yes, people fought each other for like land, but that wasn't because they kind of hated each other because of their differences of culture. That was more like, I need this land because on this land are animals that I need to survive. So therefore, I don't want you eating my animals because if you do that, there's not enough for me left. That's why they fought. It wasn't because they had a different skin color or they were born in a different place
0: or or doesn't religious differences yeah, yeah it's almost always with resources sense. yeah yeah even <laughs> russia invading ukraine people don't like to bring this point <clears throat> up either but i mean we are still we think that we're so uh evolved as a species mm-hmm. like uh we, we've moved beyond 20th century um war well we have mostly but not i mean
2: yeah
0: especially um smaller wars that we kind of pretend aren't existing. Like there's wars going on across the Middle East and Africa that most uh, in the Western world don't even pay attention to. Many don't even know are happening right now. Actually, that's one of my upcoming videos is every single war that's going on right now. Oh, wow. There's, there's a few.
1: (laughs) That's going to be a one heck of a video.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, people get jaded and (coughs) and, like, you don't want to, that's why I also understand the appeal of um escapism fantasy because you Yeah. Yeah, you want to stay positive. Um you wanna think about the future in a way that's not so doomer. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately
1: uh, the world is quite doomer. But yeah.
0: It is. Yeah. That that's one. You gotta make the most of it,
1: you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Be positive. So, We're all it <laughs>
1: We're we're just all doomed together. <laughs> Be positive.
0: <laughs> Let's see here. Um,
1: fifth question. Oh, we're we're almost halfway, Matt.
0: Yes, I know. Doing we're, good. Longer we're than I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: I said so um, upfront, like I calculated, like three hours. For it. I think I was kind of right.
0: Yeah, that. I, <laughs> that's because both of us were getting <laughs> passionate. We both got really passionate about what we've been talking about. Yep. That's all right. Uh, which famous buildings will be around in five thousand years? Doesn't have to be. Ooh, I didn't say what, where, cool what, point, what country. Just whatever comes to <coughs> pop in your head.
1: So all the Beller sites in Turkey, the Karahan Tepe, Göbekli Tepe, uh, all of them. Just gonna be easy like that. They don't erode as much. Plus we build a canopy over them for like the acidic rain and all that BS. So they're protected for now, which will at least help them not erode as fast for a while. So I think they're gonna remain. Um, The pyramids in Egypt, for sure. It's not an area that has earthquakes. The ground is very stable in Egypt. Um, The biggest like fault line for like earthquakes are near Crete or used to be near Crete, but I think they're still there. Um, But yeah, um, long time ago, there was an earthquake very bad in Crete and that had a ripple effect and some of the pyramids got damaged a little bit, but I mean, that was a really bad earthquake. And there was an earthquake quite close to Saqqara, uh, where the uh, Step Pyramid of Djoser is. That was damaged during that earthquake. I think that happened in like 2011-ish around that time uh, and then they um made sure that they closed off the pyramid for people and they reconstructed it renovated it and it went open back in 21 22 20 no 2020 the year I started making my videos because that was one of the videos I made just after it was opened I'm blonde yeah. uh, <laughs> but yeah I think, the step pyramid, not necessarily if that's still going to be like in its pristine condition that it currently is, but yeah, at least the remains of it, like the majority of it, will still stand. Great pyramids of Giza, for sure, like no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm positive that they will still be there. Um, pyramid shape, best shaped built with it's the reason why there are so many pyramid shapes all over the world by ancient people. Uh, If you see a child building with blocks, what do they do? They make pyramid shapes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need ancient aliens or Graham Hancock, ancient civilizations, all that stuff. No, it's just very simple. You want to build something that lasts? Build a pyramid. Or a mound, because burial mounds are the same kind of idea. Like, build big in the bottom and, and work your way up ziggurats burial mounds, um passage tombs, all that stuff, pyramids, all the same kind of idea of building.
0: So like the uh, colours mounds here in the in North America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's like the, the reason they did it like that is that way it's gonna last. Very simple. And pyramids all over the world aren't the same. Like they are vastly different you can see these like beautiful memes everywhere from like the people from the alternative side that there are like pyramids all over the world they the, the global people from back then must have been connected because they're all the same they're not the same not even in the slightest hmm. the pyramids in south america are vastly different than the pyramids in ancient Egypt. And even the pyramids in ancient Egypt, like the ones that are currently still in the country of Egypt, are vastly different from the pyramids in Sudan. Sudan has more pyramids than Egypt. I think they have like 200 of them in total. And they're like very small pointy, slim pyramid shapes and then there's like a tomb. Like, the, like there's an opening entrance that's always rectangular and then you have like this massive point straight up to the sky. Pyramids in Egypt are more like this. They're very wide, hmm. not like super small and super tiny uh, and just went straight up. It's They all did it in their own way because you all look at it from a different perspective. You still have the same building blocks like a kid does but every kid makes a different pyramid with the same blocks even. Some some kids use like five blocks to make the base, others use six or three or or four, you know, that that will eventually affect the shape of your pyramid as well. Is it a step pyramid? Like will it have like these steps up or is it like one straight line? Those are massive differences in the way your pyramids can look. But I do think pyramids like that, and and like the the temples, or at least the structures of like the Tastapeller sites, the Göbekli Tepe, Karahan Tepe, especially Göbekli Tepe. I mean that has survived since it was created eleven thousand nine hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna remain for sure. <laughs> it's gonna erode completely like very much, and it won't look the same as it does now. But uh, yeah. The, scent, the essence of that structure will remain.
0: What about North America? What about. <laughs> like. Uh, All right. I feel so, like the vast majority of North the America. Of so,
1: North America in the United States of America, I don't think much will remain in 5,000 years.
0: Sculptures. Though, concrete, like the Statue of Liberty will be here.
1: Yeah. Like things that were created from stone. Right, right. Stone. Sculptures, they will remain, they will erode for sure yeah. because everything will eventually erode. But yeah, things like that will remain. Uh, is that statue of Lincoln also like made out of marble? Was it?
0: Yeah, in Washington DC, most of those monuments are... yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the
1: marble statues, they will, there will at least be things left of them to be recognizable a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what kind of erosion will occur. Like, are we going to have a nuclear war with extreme acid rains and all that stuff? I'm not sure what's going to be <laughs> yeah, positive, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, if we continue the path that we're currently going on, uh, yeah, I think that will remain. Mount Rushmore definitely will remain. Probably erode as well a bit. Yeah, That happens with stone. Stone will erode for the people that may not know. Even the hardest types of stone eventually will erode. Nothing remains perfect on this planet. Simple, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. But like your 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 skyscrapers and all your steel and your concrete and asphalt, in five thousand years it's going to be gone.
0: Yeah, mostly,
1: like mostly, if not completely.
0: That's because crazy.
1: Nature will reclaim if it can. Yeah. So if nature has the possibility to reclaim, it's gonna reclaim. And steel will erode and just give in concrete. The plants like I've seen trees just grow right through concrete. So I mean
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: your concrete's <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Roman concrete that we're currently using. It's our modern concrete, which isn't as strong as Roman concrete, because that was Fastly different. That's the reason why things from the Roman era that were built with concrete are still standing because Roman concrete was much stronger.
0: So the Bass so, yeah. Pro Shop pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee, will be around in 5,000 years, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I got to show you this because you probably don't know what I'm talking about here.
1: Yeah, show me.
0: Show me. Do you know what a Bass Pro Shop is? No.
1: Oh yeah, wait, 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 wait. That's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The pyramid shape in Las Vegas, like, like on the Strip or something, like
0: near the Strip. Oh, that's a different one. Uh, but oh, that's this, a, okay. I'm sorry. This is uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were in Memphis uh, last year, and this is what it looks like. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it used to be an arena oh, really? where they had a sporting events, wow. and then that 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 kind of was a bust, and so Bass Pro Shops built it. Bass Pro Shops. Uh, this is what it looks like inside. It's like a Just a massive sporting goods store, but also not sport, but hunting, fishing, outdoors, uh, outdoorsman stuff, for lack of a better word. This is so
1: American.
0: Oh, Oh, Um, yeah, (laughs) um, yeah, honestly, that's not
1: going to be there
0: in 5,000 years.
1: (laughs) But you said (laughs) not even in the slightest. (laughs) <laughs> no, because it's not made of stone completely. Right. The reason like the Great Pyramid's gonna survive is it's because not only the outer casing is in stone, but like the entirety of it is in stone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too bad. So <Too> sad. <laughs> Too bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Save the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. I'll start like a an organization to preserve. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you can pray to,
1: like, Anubis or Osiris. Like, please, Osiris, save our (laughs) Memphis Bass Pro Pyramid Shop. (laughs) Maybe you'll listen.
0: (laughs) All right, I think it's your turn. That's
1: nice. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start a history channel here on YouTube?
0: Oh, I love that question. (laughs) Yeah, um, I would say it's intimidating these days because there there are are so many history channels. Yeah. Um, And so my first advice is you should start it anyway. If you're passionate about it, if you love history, if you love sharing, more importantly, if you love sharing stories um, from history to people, that's an indication you should start the channel. And if you're willing to do it, like grinding it out for years and, you know, not expect many viewers, then do it because for, Several years, I didn't have many viewers. I, you know, I think I had 300 subscribers in 2016, and then I got so excited when I crossed a thousand in 2017. And then, you know, it's just it's all relative. Um, even, but but I remember back then though, I was like, oh, this video did so well because a few hundred people watched it. Um, but I think it, if you want to actually have more than a few hundred people watch. Your videos, um, I would say, you need to work on your writing and your storytelling because at the heart of every successful um, YouTube video, whether it be not just YouTube video, um, even a song, but or a film or a TV show, any kind of medium, um, even like a painting or sculpture, um, it has to tell a good story and it has to inspire. Yeah someone but that story has to be inspirational and uh, that's usually what like it has to tap into emotions and so telling a good story looks differently um, depending on style but my style I found that kind of works is uh, I enter myself into the story a lot like this last video I released about systemic racism I'm like well here's my story uh, inserted into the the greater story of um, how, people of color have been systemically um, discriminated against for hundreds, for hundreds of years. Um, yeah. You make it personal. Yeah. Cause you I share like that. Well, you share I learned that. About it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a lot of history, uh, history tubers, as we call ourselves, they, they don't do that. Um, they, you know, there's even like AI channels now. Have you seen all the AI channels popping up? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. They are disturbing because they're creepy too. And yeah but a lot of it is be-
1: super oh, yeah. creepy because it's written by like chat gpt and then you have like an ai voice that just tells it and it it's very uncanny valley in a youtube video <laughs> totally. like i don't see a person like it's not the uncanny valley because i recognize that what i'm seeing is not a person but i'm recognizing what i'm hearing is not a person and what they're saying did not come from a person brain, so it's still uncanny valley a little bit to me. It's like, it creeps me out.
0: Yeah. Oh. So making it like <laughs> you know not being afraid to uh, show the viewer your human side, like because then they're gonna relate to it and that also just means like accepting who you are and you do. I and mean, I think that's why your videos are so successful because you can tell this is just who you are. Like you're passionate about this stuff. Yeah. You love telling people about this stuff. <laughs> and, and so it works. Like um, if I wasn't passionate about any of this stuff, there's no way I'd be doing it.
1: Why um, my, my boyfriend, like he, uh, he and I messaged for three months because he was uh, in the Caribbean for work. He's in the Navy. And back then he was still on the ship we had not met yet so we messaged through WhatsApp and we called like maybe two three times in three months uh-huh. but yeah uh, we had a connection we liked each other so we just we were like we're gonna message we'll see where this goes and um, he told people on the ship about me and that the fact that we're talking and so some of them started playing some of my videos because like I said, he told them about me. So the very first time he saw me was in one of my videos, speaking English, fun, because this is not my language. Yeah. (laughs) And then after three months, we met for the first time in real life. He came to my house. I opened the door and within 10 minutes, he just looked at me and he was like, I thought that your videos was like, extroverted version of you you you, you just turned on like this is me instead of like a chill very relaxed vibey person and I'm like yeah no (laughs) this is me (laughs) this is just who I am this is something I cannot turn this off (laughs) wish I could (laughs) but yeah and then he met like my oldest sister after a while and he was like So if you're you, then she's like a caricature version of you in like the way she speaks and how her face moves and all the expressions, because I'm already quite, uh, I have lots of expressions when I talk and I'm very much, I move with my hands. And then he saw my oldest sister and he was like, she's that times 10. And then he met my other sister who's that like times 20. And then he met my mom who's that times 30. And he's like, you're the chill one. I thought you were going to be the, the person that talked too much. No, no, I'm the chill one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he does, he saw immediately like me in my videos, that's me in real life. I just speak a different language. That's the main difference. I don't speak English in my normal day to day life, only when I'm working or when I'm like in a voice chat with someone who's English.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for speaking English today, because I would not be able to understand you speaking Dutch. (laughs)
1: Welcome. Uh, That was your welcome in Dutch. I didn't didn't swear. I didn't use a swear word.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And the other weird thing is your boyfriend got to know you before you got to know him, because that's how social relationships work, because he he didn't have any videos of him online. At least he
1: still liked me. (laughs) At least he still liked me after seeing my YouTube videos. Oh, definitely.
0: Like, at that point, I think um, it was more about, like, oh, do I like him? Because you weren't watching his YouTube videos, but you were already (laughs) a weird thing, right? Because it's not symmetrical. I I made a whole video about that as well. Parasocial relationships are so weird. They're weird. Yeah. But it (laughs) helps me, too. I mean, when I do these episodes, it really does help because... Um, I feel like I, I, knew, I knew you already because I've seen several of your videos and saw, you've seen well, mine. Well, that's the thing for me
1: because yeah. I saw some of your stuff back when I joined the Slack group. Uh-huh. I have watched some of your stuff and I made a deal with myself that I will not watch history on YouTube as much as I can because i'm afraid that watching other people making videos on history will somehow aff- affect me yeah um change the way i do it change the way i uh, my perceptions my uh creativity my process my all of that so when i started making videos i i wasn't looking at what other people were doing not even like their subjects not at all and there were times where I uploaded a video a day before or after someone doing a video on the same subject. That happens. And yeah. people sometimes, you know, got mad at me for like copying them. And I'm like, I've never watched your stuff. I know of you. <laughs> I understand that people make stuff. I just don't watch other history tubers in general. Yeah. When I do a collaboration, in the weeks prior I will not watch anything they have made. Not at all. We knew that we were going to do this for a while so at that point I knew I can't watch any of this stuff anymore because I don't want that to influence me in any way shape or form. Mm-hmm. If I want to be me and have this experience like for me in, in a uh, sense of this is new <laughs> then I can't have watched you too much because that will influence me, and in the way I respond or start a conversation.
0: Definitely, yeah. yeah. I'm,
1: I'm very weird like this. I think uh, yeah. the moment I know that I'm going to collaborate with someone doesn't matter what we do, I will just stop watching your stuff for a while. I'm so
0: sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> that that worked for I you. I can
1: watch it again from tomorrow onwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for watching. Honestly. Uh... <laughs> I, I've had a couple of people on this podcast that it, it was definitely a parasocial situation where I, I watched them a lot and they probably didn't watch me at all or maybe a little. And it doesn't, my only concern is that, oh, the conversation is awkward, you know, because like it's one sided. Yeah. Um, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, that's kind of silly though, because most interviews uh, are kind of one sided anyway. You have like somebody, yeah. a journalist who's just, you know, most people, uh, celebrities, for lack of a better word, influencers—they don't know the people that they're that's interviewing them, you know, for whatever uh, outlet. So, um,
1: I like this comment from just some dude, like Mister Beat, looking like, "What the hell? She didn't even watch like Subscribe. <laughs> I was subscribed to you for a long time, and then YouTube had unsubscribed me from your channel like last week.
2: How? Because I it. knew
1: two weeks ago that I was still subscribed. I checked." And then last week, it must have like unsubscribed me because yesterday I think I, I we were like emailing or I was emailing with Shannon, and I went to your channel and I was like, I need to subscribe. What? <laughs> I was subscribed for like years.
0: I will say, like to, also to your point though, I don't like to watch <laughs> um, content that covers the exact same stuff as me. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like you don't want to like be too influenced by them. Um, and so yeah, a lot of the history stuff I watch is archeology. span Like, and it's funny cause I also watched Stefan Milo. I had him on here. I watched David Miano as well. And you guys all cover yeah. the same stuff. Like you all did debunking of Graham Hancock and you all said similar things, but I can kind of tell that you all don't watch each other either because yeah. the way that you put it, <laughs> <We> yeah, <don't. laughs> totally yeah, cause I watched all that Graham Han- Hancock stuff cause I used to actually, um, Full disclosure: When I when I used to listen to Joe Rogan all the time, I like kind of drank some of that Graham Hancock Kool Aid oh, um, years ago. I'm
1: I'm guilty, guilty as charged as well. When I was young, I used to watch like Ancient Aliens. Oh wait, I have to bring my camera back down. Oh, oh, I, your I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this is like that that that, that the, the camera's fun, but it can like track me, and it decided to track me, and I opened oh, like your hands. Track me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll turn that off. Oh, no. It, it's, it really wants to. No tracking. I said, stop. Okay. It's back to normal. Hi. Whoa, that's fancy. How are you doing? That's fancy. I'm in my sweatpants. Like, I'm never in sweatpants when I film. But like I said, I've been, uh, I, I had the COVID, which was not fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The Actually, Jay Foreman had, had COVID when he was on the last episode. It's... Um, while you're figuring that out, I'll, okay, I'll <laughs> thank you, Gildsman Pirate, for the uh this is the, the fellow who always is like vote pirate party. It's a political party here in the United States, a third party. Um says, Thank you for this series and introducing us to content creators like Kaylee. Keep up the great work you do. Here's the one day not needing sponsors. I truly appreciate that. Yes, because honestly one day. Yeah, one day, I hope. Um, but yeah, uh think it's my we, turn. we were
1: talking about the kool-aid of like the graham Hancock. oh graham stuff. hancock I, I fell for that yeah, as well right. i also watched ancient aliens when i was young and it was amazing and i loved it and then oh. i did my own research and i found out oh hey it's bs <laughs> so that's that? related to
0: my next question so great segue once oh, again nice yes um, i'm doing
1: work here <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is my turn right
1: yeah i think so we had the fifth yeah, we had the fifth.
0: Okay. I had I I, uh, I did the fifth. Okay, on um, to
1: six. So that's,
0: yeah, my question is, why do people? And this is a, we kind of already answered this, to be honest. So I kind of it's a little redundant, but um, why do people want there to be ancient civilizations? Because that's what it is. Very they simple. Would,
1: because so. that would explain the mystery to them. The mystery of why. Homo sapiens emerged 300,000 years ago in Jebel route in Morocco, because that's the oldest fossil that we currently know of, of like a Homo sapiens, like our, our species. Yeah. Um, but um, 300,000 years until Uruk, 4,000, 6,000 years ago, well, let me check this. Uh, I think it was 4,000 BCE when writing was invented. Let me check.
0: I have no idea. i the top uh, my, the top of my scroll head. Scroll
1: back through my channel a little bit. Because I have this on my channel, I think.
0: Jason says, Ancient Aliens" C- is a fantastic show. The golden age of mockumentaries. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I mean, I watch it like, so, for the jokes, you know, or the to make fun of them. Hate watch.
1: Oh, Yeah. Invention of writing, uh, yeah, the earliest symbols are like 3,400 BCE. So that's 5,400 years Uh old-ish. So from 300,000 years to like not even 5,000, 6,000 years ago, there was no writing. So, which means that there was no civilization. Civilization is a definition. The definition of civilization is very important. I made short of this. Hmm. People apparently didn't watch it because people still don't understand. People think that all cultures were civilizations, that the people who built Gobekli Tepe 11,900 years ago, that that was a civilization. It wasn't. They were hunter-gatherers. That was a culture. You need things like writing and law and like a surplus of Agriculture so that you can feed a city, which is the start of a civilization. We didn't have that until yeah. like Uruk and Ur in Sumeria, ancient Sumeria, between yeah, you know, like in the Green Valley, Garden of Eden, the perfect place for civilization to emerge. And then you had ancient Egypt that created their own writing system and a civilization was created and like began there and evolved. But those are the two first civilizations in existence. There is no evidence for a civilization predating them. There's no writing older than that. And you need writing for a civilization for it to fall in the definition of a civilization. That doesn't mean that these cultures that created gobekli tepe and other things Mm -hmm. weren't sophisticated weren't creating things, weren't living in a surplus of natural resources that sustained them. So that's why they were able to like spend time building things. (laughs) Between 300,000 years ago and like Gobekli Tepe, 11,900 years ago, we have 289,000 years of people trying to survive. Yeah. Simple as that, Barely it wasn't easy. This world was rough and there were many ice ages. And I mean, this planet really tried to get rid of us way before we got where we currently are. So all the earthquakes and all the volcanic eruptions that are currently going on in the tsunamis and all that stuff, this is peanuts compared to what our species had to endure and get to where we currently are. They were surviving. And there wasn't much that they were able to do besides procreating, surviving, get food, <laughs> get water, procreate, get shelter, and repeat.
0: Wasn't there I a mean, period? Wasn't there a period that was like uh, where we almost did go extinct? <clears throat> where there was just a few yeah. hundred or thousand? There's a
1: bottleneck effect. Uh, a a, a, a fe- event bottleneck event, and I made a video on this because all of us humans alive today um, are descendant oh. descended from three hunter gatherer populations in Africa fifty thousand years ago.
0: Here it is: Toba catastrophe theory. That's what I was thinking of. Is oh, that's
1: that, another one. Yeah, that's
0: a different one. This is
1: okay. another one. Yeah, I mean, there were like two shortly after each other. So about 74,000 years ago.
0: Oh, so there's another one. What's the other one?
1: I don't know what the onset was of the other one, uh, but I know that 50,000 years ago, there were three populations, like three cultures of hunter gatherers in Africa, and all of the people living today on this planet Are descended from those three populations. Wow. That's mind-blowing. Like, we nearly went extinct, I think, around 50,000 years ago, because why else would all of us be related to those three populations? And this doesn't mean that everywhere else in the world people went extinct and only these three populations lived. No, no. That's not at all what that means. We had a ribbon, uh, aboriginals in uh, Australia that were already on the Australian continent but the descendants from these three populations also made their way to Australia and interbred with the aboriginals who were already living there and therefore all the people that came after that are also descendant from the same three populations in Africa because that's how evolution and all this stuff works. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like those were the only people alive still, but it does mean that everyone else alive at anywhere else in the world eventually had interbred with their descendants, which is why all of us have their DNA in our genomes. Yeah.
0: Pretty cool. I mean, pretty scary. If that's like, yeah.
1: if, if, if I made that like as clear and concise as possible.
2: Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a rough uh, thing to like, it's not something that's easy to explain. Like the video I made about that was like 18 minutes, nearly 19 minutes long. Mm. And that's me trying to explain that as quick as possible. So this butchered it, but I couldn't do it any faster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know it's disputed. It's, they don't know. It's a theory and I I know that we don't really have... A whole lot of evidence for that, but I mean, it's it's plausible for certain. I mean,
1: well, this bottleneck event fifty thousand years ago—that's been proven beyond a doubt.
0: I, oh yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. As far as what caused so or yeah, I'm sorry exactly. bottleneck yeah. plural, because we know that this yeah. happened multiple times. And you know, they, they always say, "Well, it's a super volcano or something like that." I always think about, you know, there's a super volcano that will erupt. Um, in North America, yeah, Yellowstone National Park, it, it could happen tomorrow, it could happen in a thousand years, but we could yep. see a, a similar situation and, you know, people say, oh, that's the end of the species, like, no, I don't think so, I think there's ways to survive it, but it will suck, it will be definitely a, a
1: bottleneck event, yeah,
0: for sure, so, at I think least, learning about it is important, we don't want to be doomsdayers, but being aware, I mean, same thing with an asteroid. Uh, depending on how large the yeah. asteroid is, it could be a, an extinction. If
1: it's another one. like chicks asteroid. Right. Honestly, we're, we're kind of screwed.
0: Yeah. Well.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. If it's like that massive, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. My, I
1: mean, my sister was the one that found out that the chicks asteroid hit in boreal spring Sixty-five million years ago, or sixty-six million she years was ago. The she one
0: who found me. it out—that
1: oh, was my sister with the pink hair, and I, I interviewed her on my channel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. So, and she's, she's the one getting a bit famous. She's famous. Yeah.
1: She's What's the, her name. She's getting a bit famous in the Netherlands. Melanie, Melanie, Melanie During. Yeah. Oh,
0: shoot, I gotta. She's got gotta pink
1: remember. hair. Paleontologist, master's degree, of working on her second or third PhD, like. Hmm. She's doing wow. good. <laughs> I'm very proud. But yeah. I didn't start my channel because of her. It's not related to her in any way. We have our own passion projects, I see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess I was hoping to. I was find interviewed
1: a... yesterday by like New York Magazine because they're writing a story on her.
0: Like a pretty, oh, yeah. Big feature piece. So, yeah. New York, New York Times?
1: New, New York Magazine.
0: New yeah. York Magazine. Okay. Yeah. Wow, this is like, don't know when, that co- when
1: that's kind of come out. Could, could take, like, a couple months even. But, I mean, they're working on it. That's what I know. So, yeah. And she she's was on, on Dutch television book. A recently book? and stuff. Is it's the, the last spring of the dinosaurs, but it's only currently still in Dutch. They are working on an English release. So, yeah. she's working on, like, writing it in English and adding things for the international public. So
0: yeah, very cool. (laughs) That's my sister. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be proud. Um, I'm sure she's proud of you too. I am. No, I'm sure. uh, Okay, my sixth
1: question for you. I think. Have you been to a country outside of the United States,
0: of America? Uh, And uh, (laughs) well, no. I mean, most Americans haven't.
1: (laughs) No, I know, but like, I can't say the United States of America like normal. Oh. I'm too sarcastically Dutch for this, though. I love the United States of America. One day I'm going to go there. But have you been to a country outside of the US? And if, and if so, um, if there are more, which one One was your favorite that you visited? Like, Yeah, of course. Very like the Netherlands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, I saw you went to Scotland recently. We also went to Scotland and we went to the UK last spring. Um, so England and Scotland and of course, I've been to Canada multiple times. I've been to Mexico, uh, Jamaica. Uh, that's about it, though. I have not been very many places. I have not been to the Netherlands. Uh, as far as where I want to go Aww. next, yeah, like, I I think uh, I really want to go to Iceland. And I, I do want to go to really all the Scandinavian countries, to be honest. Just kind of make the, the round, round. Like, I, my friend. Uh, do like you like to feel to small? What's that? Like it
1: sounds like you want to feel small.
0: Oh, you yeah. You want yeah. to see
1: all the Scandinavian countries. We're all giants here.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, at least, uh, you know, like <laughs> Americans are getting pretty tall, too, for some reason. It seems like every, like all my students got a little bit taller every year. It's weird. Oh, nice. That's good. But uh, they're
1: probably eating a lot more potatoes now.
0: Yeah. What is it that makes <laughs> it that we grow taller? I, I was going to make a video about that. Yeah. What, why? You think, more, I honestly think it has to do with country. the potatoes.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly believe that it has to do, like, it has to be connected with potatoes. Really, it just has to be the potato. I, hypothesis. I, I, I think this is the potato hypothesis. But like Scandinavian people, including like the Dutch, the Danes, the Germans, people from the UK, and like like upper Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, Finland, not so much, but still a bit, and Iceland, we eat a lot of potatoes. And why do we eat a lot of potatoes? Our ground is perfectly fertile for it. Like it grows very fast here. And potatoes can go a long way. They're not like you have to use them within a week after they sprout, which is perfect. You can grow them all year long, which is perfect. And you can make them in a variety of ways. Like you can fry them, cook them, bake them, mash them, continue, and you can put them in nearly every dish you eat. Yeah. So when I grew up, we ate potatoes six days of the week at my dad's house when I was nine. The first nine years I lived with my mom, but like that's doesn't matter. But when I started living with my dad, I was nine. I was a runt in my classroom. I was the oldest, but I was also the runt. And then I started eating potatoes like six days a week. And after two and a half years, I started getting this growth spurt, <laughs> which is not fun. And I went from uh one meter and like 48 centimeters uh, to uh, uh, one meter and uh, 76 centimeters in like less than two years. I went whew. a meter oh. and 30 centimeters is is, is not normal for, for a person to grow, and that happened after I started eating the potatoes every day, <laughs> okay. six days a week. So
0: All I right. think it has to
1: it has to do it. Something connected with potatoes that makes us tall. Like I, I just firmly believe that fried <laughs> potatoes don't really, don't really work because you fried killed all that was good. Because that's what I ate a lot the first nine years of my life, and I was the right. So fried potatoes don't work
0: as well. Good well, this potatoes, is an interesting yeah. hypothesis that we need to explore more. <laughs> that's just an anecdote, but yeah. hey, you could be onto something here. And I will say two things that came to mind. First. Uh, the metric system. I got lost really quickly because you know us dang Americans with the metric system. So I kind of know what you're talking about. But Sorry. and second, here in America, we also I I'm kind of I'm not even really joking when I say this, but pretty much everything that Americans eat has either corn in it or potatoes. If it's not meat, it's it's corn or potatoes. For, you know, like yeah. look at the ingredients of stuff, and so. Maybe that has something, maybe you're onto something is again, what I'm saying here.
1: Maybe the Americans have been eating more cooked potatoes the past few decades. And that's yep. why they're starting to grow. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Cause like when I, 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 um, I met my boyfriend, started cooking dinner for him. And at the beginning he was like, I want to eat like healthy protein meals because he was working out a lot. So I would make like chicken wraps and all that stuff. And after a while it was like, I'll just make, Potatoes, veggies, and like meat. But I started with like baked potatoes. And we liked them for a while. And after a while I was like, I, I I'm in the need for just the cooked potato, like super simple with a gravy. Like please, like super basic Dutch food. And he was like, Ah, okay, well, we can do that for a day. It's been a year. Oh. Nearly every day cooked potatoes. We both love it <laughs> with a gravy. And I, I we barely eat like chicken wraps or my chicken curry that I love to make and it's delicious but we rarely eat it because when we look at each other and we're walking around in the gym and working out six days a week we look at each other and it's like what do you want to eat honey and he's like oh, I'm in the mood for some cooked potatoes and I'm like yeah me too every single day
0: <laughs> yeah I, I love potatoes so, yeah. you could do so much with them potatoes. too the thing. yeah yeah
1: Most versatile food is a potato.
0: And that's uh, what the Irish lived off of. Uh, Some of my ancestors were Irish. Uh, That's, uh, you know, the famine happened in the 1800s because of the lack of potatoes. Uh, Yeah. So God bless the potato. We worship the potato, all hail potato. And
1: and the Netherlands is like potato capital. We eat it the most.
0: Really? I didn't know that. Well,
1: when you look at like the little amount of people we have it's on a global scale, so you per capita. Say. it's not that much. But, but like per person, yeah. potato on a yearly basis, we're like on the top of it, I think.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting.
1: Because I think, I really think that, we, I think the general Dutch person eats potatoes at least three to four times a week cooked potatoes, like simple bought potatoes from the store. Yeah. So, and that's already a lot.
0: So, yeah, no, that's yeah. Uh, somebody in the chat. So I don't even know if this is like factually true. My dad always told it to me growing up that you can survive just off of potatoes. Like if you were on a stranded island well, and all you had was potatoes, yeah. you'd be all right.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, your stomach will eventually start to hurt because there's not that much vitamin C in potatoes. Um, there, there's a little bit, but there's not much. And it's like starchy. So eventually your poop's not going to look fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you can like find some plants to incorporate with it you're good you're, you're yeah
0: you're good okay so just get some orange juice and potatoes potato. <laughs> yeah. i mean um, i used to
1: grow my own potatoes it's very simple
0: oh that's another thing they're they're pretty hardy. they survive like i have a hard time growing anything and that's one of the few things that i can grow don't mean to brag but I can grow yeah. potatoes. <laughs> nice. Um, we I missed the super chat. Sorry, Kai. Uh, Discuss RFK Jr. not getting secret service protection. You probably have no idea who that is, but uh, I'll just answer really quickly. Um, he, I don't know why he doesn't have secret service protection, and I think it's kind of weird and suspicious. Yeah, especially considering he's running for president, just like his dad did in 1968, and we know what happened to his dad he was assassinated. So yeah, um I should explore that more. And uh Kaylee's like what the heck? Or who's RFK Jr? Robert oh, Kennedy fine. Jr? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was like that's a uh, Kennedy, Kennedy. Kennedy, right? Yeah. yeah
0: like uh, John F yeah, yeah. Kennedy's brother. Yeah, so this I was like is it is
1: this the son or the brother or like yeah, you know
0: <laughs> brother. I huh. and you. Yeah. yeah, I it's his nephew that's running we, for president We get right.
1: taught American history a little
0: bit in Europe
1: <laughs> why because America sorry this is not to offend anyone please don't hate me but uh, the people in America often think that they're like the most important people in the planet on the planet and that's fine and that's fine I still love LEL for it but the thing is that um, the reason that America is like globally this has this influence on a global scale, People in Europe will be taught about American history Why because we think it that? global effects. <laughs> not I mean, you—the whole flag thing and like the, the the what was it? The singing or what with the flag and the, like the
0: schools—that would together. not
1: go in other countries.
0: Oh yeah, like, and the but the America religion. does it. Yeah, it's very nationalistic. Yeah, the,
1: the pledge to allegiance. Yes, so we don't do that in other countries, but. The shame in this, I feel like in Europe, we get taught history of other countries. So I I was taught a bit of French history, Spanish history, Italian history, German history, British history, American history, Russian history, China history, Japanese history, continue, continue, continue. And when I look at the American school system, I don't think that they're teaching uh, the, the, the kids about British history, French history, Portuguese, Spanish, Italian, like the the, the the effects that those countries had on a global scale once upon a time. The Netherlands had a kingdom that was also on a global scale once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So I, to me that's sad that Americans are missing out on so much fun history.
0: I mean, okay. we do teach it, uh, it, just not enough. Thank I, God. Be, I taught world history. <laughs> Thank as well. God, at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We definitely taught. Well, we especially teach about uh, the British. Uh, to, we teach about the British too much and world Empire. history. The, we neglect yeah. African history and Asian history, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. European yeah. history. It gets
1: neglected here as well, a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It is what it is. All right. Well, it's I think okay. it's my turn. it's my turn.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, we're already on seven, I think.
0: Are we? So it's my turn.
1: If you, what? oh, it's your turn.
0: All right, one, two. We one. almost messed up here. You've already done six, right?
1: Yeah, I done. Okay. Six.
0: This is why we do this. Okay. Yes, <laughs> <see? All> right. <laughs> we're on seven. Good All right. thing
1: we have that.
0: So. um, I guess I have two more related questions to your content. So we'll just, we'll, we'll knock those out. First one is um, what has been the most amazing archeological discovery this century, this decade, this past year? If you don't want to answer all those, that's fine, but just. The century
1: Gobekli Tepe and the Tostapeller sites in Turkey the oldest man made structures ever created in the world that we currently know of by far that's the century one oh, do you mean over the past
0: one, over the past 100 years or when was it discovered yeah. do you know
1: uh 60s and excavated excavation started in the 90s
0: okay okay so
1: it was discovered like 60 years ago 60 plus years ago and then excavation started like in the 90s so 30 plus years ago okay okay yeah. So that's the century, a decade. I would say Homo naledi, the discovery of this ancient pre-human species that lived in South Africa, uh, and we found their burials in the Rising Star Cave System, in the like the um, cradle of humankind area in Africa. Um, so that species is mind blowing because they were very small and had small brains, but it seems like they buried their dead and were able to create fire and made artwork. Hmm. So yeah, uh, amazing. So mind-blowing. And this past year. No, oh, I'm gonna have to like scroll to my channel because I covered mm-hmm. them. <laughs> but I have to like look at like when did I make this? When did I make that? Yeah. Um, did I make this in the last year? That's kind of what I'm like need to figure out. Did I make this video last year? Is this more than a year ago or not? That's all I need to know.
0: Uh, well, if it's the last couple of years. It I'll was realize. made, <laughs>
1: September eleven.
0: 2022.
1: Sorry for the 911 plug there. Ex- excuse me. Didn't mean to do that. Yeah. But yeah. um uh, sorry. Uh, it was a uh, evidence of a surgical amputation dating back to 31,000 years ago. Wow. And the person survived.
0: I remember th- hearing about that. Yeah. The person yeah. survived. So for
1: me, that's mind-blowing and one of the Biggest uh, pieces of evidence that what I just said about you don't need to be a civilization to be sophisticated, that culture of people were sophisticated and intelligent and capable enough to carry out a surgical amputation in which the person did not die from being amputated. So they didn't die from shock, so they had to have some kind of pain relief, I think. Probably some herbs or stuff. I mean, I hope that the person getting the amputation was like spacing the F out <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on herbs and things. Okay. Yeah, like please, I like, hope. Because yeah, you can go into shock when you're you when you're in too much pain, your body can go into shock and you can die from shock.
0: Yeah, you can. So the
1: fact that they actually survived that amputation thirty-one thousand years ago, mind blowing.
0: Yeah. Okay, I found the article that
1: to be a thing.
0: The um, thirty-one thousand years ago—that seems like so long ago. Um, It is.
1: (laughs) Back then, people did not have blue eyes. Really. That wasn't a thing. That mutation. Wasn't a thing yet because blue eyes emerged ten thousand years ago.
0: That recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A freak.
1: And I, I have green eyes, and this is even more recent and
0: rare. That's right. Yeah. What about hazel eyes? Or that is that even more recent than green eyes? Or does that go longer than? I
1: think hazel went like kind of hand in hand with green. Okay. Because you need some green tones for hazel.
0: I always tell my daughters, I was like, you know, you have blue eyes. Uh, you know, we're we're freaks. We're, uh, we're <laughs> like most people. We, we are of,
1: the mutations. Yeah, yeah. Even like the white skin, blonde hair, blue eye or green eye, that's a mutation. People did not have this more than 10, 20, 30,000 years ago. Yeah. We used to look like look a lot more the same. It's just that we all went to live in these strange places on this planet further away from the equator. And that had an effect on how our genes mutated.
0: Right, right.
1: Neanderthals were uh, even more diverse than us. So they could have darker or even lighter skin than us. And they had probably more eye colors and hair colors and all that stuff.
0: I did a not video
1: on it. that where Neanderthals white got attacked for being a racist has nothing to do with race. It simply has to do with the scientific look of evolution and mutations and where in the world you live, how much that affects your eventual
0: evolution. So yeah. red hair is a, was a, a Neanderthal?
1: It's a common misconception. Oh. Neanderthal genes, uh, like the red hair comes from Neanderthals. Neanderthals or Neanderthals uh, did indeed have red hair, but that mutation died out with them. So Hmm. they did not carry that up over to us. We had our own mutation that created red hair. So it's not related, Hmm. but both red hair, but different mutations led to them having it and there's no DNA correlation.
0: Yeah, I I just, you know, I did that video about systemic racism recently and uh, I mentioned that, yeah, the idea of race is a it's a social construct. This has been well-established for at least 100 years. And then there's been a growing movement, uh, reactionary movement, to say, no, no, race is, it's all science. It's biological and all this. And uh, yeah. basically starting with, you know, starting with the white supremacy first and then working backwards to, to pretend like they're not white supremacy. <laughs> because they're, they're trying to make it so that, oh, no, there's difference, biological differences. And that's what... Um, but anyway, I, it, that was a little, I mean, like, a, it's a little disturbing to me how many people don't realize that this term, um, white, uh, is really new. <laughs> like, it only goes back to um, like the late 1500s, is really when you start to see it in texts. And people are like, oh, what about the yeah. ancient Romans or ancient Greeks? No, they didn't use those terms. They, they had, um, in fact, they, there were other genetic traits that um, they sometimes, so, Like, imagine if we divided ourselves, like if race was instead about, about eye color, for example. I brought this example up to my students when I used to teach about racism, and I said it could be really any genetic uh, phenotype, you know. Uh, yep. They just kind of decided to choose this because it was convenient, because it justified enslaving Africans. That's literally why they d- decided to do that. Um, on a
1: mass scale.
0: On a mass scale, they, they did. right.
1: That's that it's all about the mass scale that they have to justify it because slavery already pre existed, of course, like the slave trade in Africa. And then slavery right. was also very persistent in white civilizations in Europe.
0: Yep. So, I mean,
1: it, it, we were all enslaved once. Like, it doesn't matter what your skin color was, where you come from, but your ancestors were enslaved in some way. Yeah. yeah. So, Yay. <laughs> so really existed, of course, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're but yeah, <laughs> it's the thing that they had to justify it, and it had to be um, visually, like you had to be from like a distance that you could say that's the different one, and that's why it's skin color and not like eye color, like you said, because for eye color you need to be, be like a lot closer to someone, and then it becomes a lot. More difficult to say I want to enslave you. Just like all the keyboard warriors we have now on the internet that are like <laughs> anonymous. It's a bit like that because back then it was like the British and like the Portuguese and the Dutch and all that stuff. And I, we we said that they were different and therefore we can enslave them and therefore we can be cruel to them because we don't personally know them. We're kind of anonymous from a distance.
2: Yeah. So enslave them,
1: put them on a boat and like scooch them off. So it's more like that. It it feels like more like the keyboard warriors we have now.
0: Again, it's them coming up with their opinion first and then trying to find facts, evidence later to back up their (laughs) opinion. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, that's been on my mind lately (laughs) because of that video. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, I think... Okay, my
1: seventh. Yeah. If you had to choose... Cause like, this is a gun to your head. You have to choose. Would you rather live in the middle ages or in the late stone age, the Neolithic? And why would you prefer that one that you pick over the other?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It depends on where I'm at in the hierarchy for the middle ages. Cause if I'm at the top of the hierarchy in the middle ages, then I would definitely prefer it, you know, like, uh, Stun- I mean, in English. your country,
1: in, in the States, are you like a descendant from someone high up back in the Middle Ages? Because if so, then you would be golden. If not, then it wouldn't be fine.
0: <laughs> well, Genie Blogger was here earlier in the chat. He actually did a whole series on, on my ancestry, and he built a family tree and looked it up. And we traced most of my ancestors, actually, to uh, your part of Europe, um, actually. Uh, so Germany... Belgium, uh, France, UK, Ireland, and uh, yeah, they never and, say the Netherlands, you know, the so it's like fun. Yeah, well, I mean Netherlands <laughs> too, I think, but I don't remember. I can't recall exactly, but I have no idea about royalty. But that's the thing. I think uh, it depends on where I'm at. But if if I were to be a peasant <clears> in, the middle, <throat> in the middle ages, I think uh, I would rather be in the Stone Age because you it was more communal back then. Uh, I mean, Neolithic times, actually there's evidence. I mean, I don't know much about that, that era, everything I learned, I learned from watching channels like your, your own, but from what I understand, um, you know, like there's a lot more freedom for a lot of people back then. Yeah. You, you were worried about dying all the time (laughs) because of, you didn't know, there was no, no. Depending
1: memory. still where you live, because in the Neolithic, we can see all these megalithic structures being built, which means True. people had surplus. That's so it was it. easier to survive around that time. That's why I picked the Neolithic, because it's more of like a, a better time in ancient history.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a misconception too about history in general. Is that it just, it's a linear, um, linear progress. It like, when actually, and then that's this whole term of dark ages. I mean, yeah, we don't like to use it. Historians don't like to say the term dark ages anymore, but I think it kind of, it's just a good example of that. Oh, uh, it's false to assume that we're always just moving forward, um, in society. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's always also, I think the reason why they don't like to use the term dark ages is because that was a very specific part of the world. It was not the dark ages in the middle East, for example, that was there. Things were going great there during that same time. So yeah, it's uh, it's complicated, but I think, yeah, where you make a really good point because where you're at during the Neolithic, so you've changed my mind. Yeah. Yeah, Neolithic. Yeah, because like
1: during the Neolithic Northern Europe, which were like the countries that you say you're from, like descended yeah. from, you were good. Germany, France, the British Isles, Ireland, Scandinavia, they were good.
0: Okay, yeah, then
1: <laughs> you probably survived and had a good life. Like for me, it would definitely be the Neolithic, but I know a bit of my ancestry. Um, my last name, During, comes from the Turingi tribe, which was like a Germanic tribe over in Germania, <laughs> which is present day Germany. Um, but before that, you had the Hermonduri, and the Hermonduri were a Swedish tribe. And the Swabi tribes were like the descendants of the Irminones,
2: hmm.
1: which is before Christ. So BCE period. So I know where I'm from. I know which area I would be located if I was from live li- going back to the Neolithic. And I know that my ancestors, the Hermanduri, fought the Huns and won. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm from I'm a descendant from a warrior tribe. Yeah. And my dad's name is Hermann Düring. Completely unrelated because no one knew that he was descendant from then. But like Hermann Düring is descendant from Hermann Düring tribe. (laughs) (laughs) That was really cool to find out. So, yeah, that's dope.
0: Yeah, that's a cool coincidence there. All right. Well, the last, I think, um, archaeological question. And I'm sorry if this is an annoying question, but... (laughs) What's the no, quickest, fine. like we're talking about my audience, I think I had in mind for this. Cause like, I, I think a lot of my audience maybe necessarily isn't into ancient history. So what's the quickest mm-hmm. way to convince people that yes, humans created the pyramids, the quickest way to convince them.
1: The quickest way. The stones were quarried nearby The outer casing stones, of, like the casing stones that you still see, the limestones on the outside that we currently still see, Mm -hmm. were quarried quite close to the pyramids. The quarry sites are there. I've not personally been there, but I know many people personally that have been there. Mm -hmm. So the granite was quarried, I think, from Aswan, brought by boats very simple, we humans are incredible, we are amazing, we are inventive, we are intelligent, we are sophisticated, we did that, and we can be proud of it, exactly, (laughs) like pat on the back, we did that. It had a human purpose, a tomb is not just a burial place, a tomb is a sacred site, the most sacred site there is, the place where you are closest to the gods. Building a pyramid, being a worker, building the pyramid, was the highest honor there was back in the day when they were built. They were doing the work of the gods for the current living god, that once their current living god, the pharaoh, would pass away, would be joined by the other gods that they were already worshiping. So they were doing God's work for the living God so that he could be with the other gods that they were already worshiping, because that's the level we're talking about.
0: So similar it's to absolutely. churches, these giant churches and yeah. synagogues and et cetera. Look
1: at like look yeah. at churches nowadays in the states, because your churches are a lot different than we have New in my here.
0: country. <laughs> okay.
1: They're huge, but also what do they do every sermon? Don't they do the basket with the money?
0: Yes. Collecting
1: money. money from the people that worship. So why are people believing in a God that makes them pay for believing in him? To me, that makes zero sense because what? <laughs> and, you can't explain it to me, I'll never understand. It's simple. But the people that do believe in God, in Christian God, whether they are um, Protestants or Roman Catholic, doesn't matter because both of them do this, at least in in, in the States, I think. In the Netherlands, this is not a thing. You go to a church and in some Roman Catholic churches, they will indeed bring out a basket and you will be frowned upon if you don't pay. Oh yeah! But go to a Protestant church, and they will never bring out a basket. No, 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 no.
0: Well, some do. Never.
1: In in the Netherlands, the Protestant churches. Oh, not, Neth- not Oh. As far as I know, like in the Netherlands, this is not a thing with Protestant churches. Now the thing is, most people that are Protestant and believers are quite rich or have at least enough money, so they will voluntarily pay. Still weird to me, like, why would you pay? But, like, translate that to ancient times. People are willing to pay to be able to believe in a god in modern times? What were they doing? Like, what were they sacrificing in ancient times? Their lives.
0: Their labor. Their
1: livelihoods. Their labor. So they were agricultural they were an agricultural civilization. All the workers building the pyramids would be building on the pyramids until the Nile flooded, and plants needed to be, like the crops needed to be yielded or planted. Mm. Those were the times that they were not building on the pyramids, because they still had their regular job to like sustain the country. So. And you can see this, and you have like all these worker villages around the pyramids of Giza, on the Giza Plateau. You have massive villages where the workers who were building the pyramids lived while they were building the pyramids. And in certain times of the year, they would abandon those worker villages and go back to where they came from so that they could do their agricultural labor. And then when all that was done the the crops were planted or the crops were harvested they would go back to the worker villages near the pyramids and continue building and yeah you need a massive force of people but the egyptian civilization was massive and yeah they had the workforce they were doing god's work the highest honor there was and they were buried the workers that died during the construction, were buried near the pyramids. Highest honor. No, for me that's like the, the clearest sign that it was built by humans. Why else we we have these worker villages with like hieroglyphics talking about their work on building the
0: pyramids? Yeah.
1: Why? <laughs> Why wouldn't alien leave that behind? You know?
0: Yeah. I- I, I I've joked around before, like saying like, well, I know it's you. We already talked about the skyscrapers in New York City not being around in five thousand yeah. years. But let's say that they were, that uh, they made it, and people in five thousand years, it would be completely um, not surprising for people in the future to look back on those skyscrapers and said, "Wow, the aliens yeah. had." these things you know especially if like a lot of information was lost between now and then that's another thing that we shouldn't ever assume is that all the information that we have right now is going to be with us and and even a thousand years like information gets lost daily the internet is being erased daily dead internet theory look it up it's something that i think about a lot too because information so that's my livelihood dude
1: the internet, I need the internet to survive.
0: Well, I know. It's,
1: Without the internet, I have no job.
0: <laughs> well, part of the reason why, like, I'm still drawn toward books, like, and places like the Library of Congress are so important. Um, it's because, yeah, like, we shouldn't take any of this for granted, especially if the power grid goes out in your your country or yeah. whatever, you know, like, uh, just I don't know, we... I also I think it's really cool that there are places there are vaults around the world where we are uh, we're storing not only seeds for the future future survival of our species, but also. Yeah, the doomsday vaults. Yeah, books and um, even movies and just I, I think a lot of people who love history, we also love we appreciate preserving old stuff because we realize, oh, wow, it just won't be around if we don't take care of it and we, we forget humans forget yeah. so easily. I, I, uh, even recent history that I teach, uh, that I grew up with in the nineties and the aughts, like it is amazing how many people don't know that history. And it happened 20 years ago. So yeah. we have to remember. Uh, yeah.
1: So my uh, eighth question, I think, yeah. I think I'm. it's my turn. I think it is. So, uh, I, I made this question, and then later on, I uh, sent you an email with like a Wikipedia page. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you responded, and your response was like, "Damn, he
2: knows."
1: Oh. <laughs> so like, <laughs> are you familiar with the origin story of New York and the influence of the Dutch? The Dutch had on the American language, so it's like both of them. So uh, how New York used to be New Amsterdam, settled by the Dutch. That Brooklyn. The part of New York, Brooklyn, uh, comes from the Dutch town Breukelen. Haarlem comes from the Dutch city of Haarlem, and that the Wall Street used to be where the wall of the Dutch settlement was located. And then the words uh, the used in your American language nowadays comes from the Dutch language. For instance, koekje became cookie, uh, daalder became dollar. So our currency, ah. the daalder, was eventually like merged into like the word dollar Didn't and a uh, stoop S T O E P our word for like the sidewalk stoop uh, <laughs> became stoop S T O O P. It's nearly the same. <laughs> so like we, uh, my country and my ancestors from this country had quite the influence on the United States of America and how much of that are you familiar with? That's the
0: question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it. I mean, I used to teach uh, colonial history and I did spend some time on um, the Dutch, the Dutch's influence, not just in New Amsterdam, but um, also mm. like Peter Stuyvesant uh, in Delaware, which is what's today Delaware. And, you know, there were there were not very many of them, but they uh, they were um, they had quite the impact, as you just uh, stated, I mean, the thing is, yeah, like, like
1: I forgot good. one thing to yes. mention, like while I was writing the question, the um Declaration of Independence partially was written because of the Dutch Declaration of Independence.
0: Oh, that's right, because
1: of Verlatingen, yeah, uh, the Placket of Verlatingen.
0: I that was about used
1: that. as sort of the basis for the Declaration of Independence of the Americans,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, after the- If we did not
1: declare our independence from the Spanish uh, Inquisition and all that stuff after the 80 Years War, the American Declaration of Independence would have looked a lot different if it was even written.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, okay, Many people don't know. (laughs) Oh, okay, I had to Google it. Let me just put it up Wikipedia again. I defend Wikipedia. Take your Um, time. I okay let's see. think
1: that's you... amazing.
0: Oh, here we go. <laughs> um so yeah, there's only there was only it says by 1655 there was only around 2000 people in New Netherland. Um yeah. 1500 living in New Amsterdam. Uh by 1664, it's I'm reading this right off here. Uh it had risen yeah. to almost 9000. Um now that's not many people. That's not, no. but the, the fact that um, still- the influence... we also
1: come from a tiny country. And back then, even the Netherlands itself did not have even that many people. So it was still quite a lot compared, yeah.
0: Yeah, but they were there first. And then we now know the influence of New York. I mean, New York became the biggest city in the United States in the early, by the early 1800s, it was the biggest. It had overtaken um, Philadelphia and Boston, and ever since, it's been the biggest city, the most one of the most influential cities in the world since the late 1800s. And so that um, the legacy of the Dutch in New York never went away. Those first settlers. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I live in Lawrence, Kansas, in the Midwest. It's like a, a town that was established by uh, people from Massachusetts. And even that, I think, impacts. Like it doesn't matter who comes later. The people who found a settlement, I think, have a tremendous influence on all future. Um, settlers, because I mean, yeah, we got a lot, a lot of Dutch immigrants um, throughout the early years of the uh, United States. I mean, one one of the most famous is Martin Van Buren, who uh, was the eighth president, who actually spoke Dutch, and English was his second language. Um, from the Fox of Kinderhook, Kinderhook, a, a Dutch settlement in upstate New York. But yeah, like, I think the thing that's kind of crazy that I always think about um, with this is. There wasn't that many people that really kind of got it going. <laughs> like and a lot of, yeah. I mean a lot of the Dutch stuck around after the British took over? And the other thing yeah. is like I think we when we talk we're speaking English right now. Like I everybody in the Netherlands is taught English uh yeah. as, right to speak fluently like yeah. both Dutch and English. Okay. I mean obviously yeah. in the United States we it's only English.
1: I mean like um we start Giving um, English lessons in like the last two years of elementary, and then like that's like an hour, maybe two hours a week. That's just just slowly roll you into it a little bit. And then when you go to high school, it's like I think two, three, four hours a week that you get English. I wasn't allowed to enter my English lessons. Why not? (laughs) I was not allowed because on the very first day uh, of of school, in high school, at English, uh, my um, English English, um, teacher was saying like uh, an English sentence. We are walking down the street. And he said it like, we are walking down the street. And like, my ears were bleeding and I told him like, sir, you don't pronounce English like that. And I said it in English. And he looked at me and he's like, you're not allowed to be in my classes. You're only allowed to make your exams. And I was like, okay, I've got free time. Yay.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) So I never went to
1: English lessons.
0: How did you learn it then?
1: Uh, From a young age, my mom spoke a little bit of English and like cartoons and like movies, Disney movies in English. Oh, yeah. in English with like Dutch or English subtitles so you'll learn the words a little bit and then as you get older the internet came and that became a thing and then you had like MSN messenger. And that was awesome when I was young. MSN was just yeah the <laughs> perfect yeah. and then through MSN, uh, MSN I came in contact with like people from America and and Britain and Australia and you have to type English. So I was often like translating things, but that's how I learned English. And then the pronunciation comes from speaking English with people over the phone or a voice call. And yeah, do that enough for quite a long time. And then eventually you can just speak English. Yeah. (laughs) And people often ask me where I'm from in like the States or Britain or Australia, because they. They don't know where my accent is from. And I'm like, my hillbilly Billy Russian, whatever accent that goes all the way fluently, uh, I'm Dutch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is hard. to. My accent of... goes all the way. <laughs> yeah, it's not as distinctive, I guess, as other English accents. But... Yeah. Well, the reason why I brought this all up is because it wasn't that many people in the British Empire that really controlled the entire world there for a while, Yeah. which is the reason why English is the most... Popular language on the planet right now. It doesn't really. No. I don't know. To me, that's just an amazing. Could have been Dutch. honestly,
1: it all could have been Dutch
0: because if been. the
1: Dutch had won in the, that last Dutch Anglo War, <laughs> in which we lost, yeah, a lot of our territories to the English, then it could have been the Dutch Empire that was massive yeah. on a global scale for a long time and had the influence that the British Empire eventually had and then Dutch could have been the main language of the world which is super weird for me to think about because Dutch isn't sexy it's not a sexy language (laughs) at all no English is lots no but like listen like in in England or in America you say good morning it (laughs) sounds fun in the Netherlands you say goeiemorgen yeah, That doesn't sound sexy at all. It sounds like I'm choking on something.
0: A lot of the... Lot I'm used of the kind to of it, it but kind of the, yeah, it doesn't yeah.
1: sound fun. Like the Dutch G, and I'm good at the Dutch G and the Dutch R. Your R's have to roll and your G has to growl.
0: But
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, German, oh. it, like it seems like uh, you have of uh, two people speaking German back back and forth, and sometimes you can't tell if they're like happy or sad. You're just like...
1: <laughs> Even yeah. for me, it all sounds like they're fighting constantly, all the yeah. time. And they're quite loud. At least the German tourists we get in the Netherlands, they're really loud. And so it sounds like they're always angry, but they refuse to speak English. Like the the people 40 years old and older, they refuse to speak English or Dutch and they come here to our country and they start speaking German to you and they expect you to understand everything. And I'm like, I flunked German <laughs> four years in a row. I'm very proud, even though I'm of German descent, but I flunked. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know go which is just go straight ahead, <laughs> <laughs> which is very important when they ask directions. It's just always Good
0: luck. All I know is not, not the understand. person
1: to ask for this, because I have no yeah. idea how to give directions in German. So it's just like go ahead until you see someone else.
0: <laughs> that's a good way to kind of like keep like keep them away, just say that and move yep. on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course I know like German swear words. Who doesn't know swear words in other languages? Nah, so yeah, I mean. that's normal.
0: Yeah, I know three. So, yeah. That's basically it. All right. Well, we got to move this on because we've are we been going yeah. two and a half hours here, more than two and a half hours, and it's getting late there I told in, you. in Holland, uh, North Holland. Uh, so. No, I don't
1: know. It's fine. It's still dark for another uh, 10 hours.
0: I was going to say it's the, the dark time of year for you. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, this is a, a YouTube related question. So being a YouTuber, I don't even know, to be honest. I When I watch your videos, I don't watch your shorts and I don't watch a whole lot of short YouTube shorts, but in your opinion, how has YouTube shorts changed YouTube? Has it been a net positive or a net negative or meh somewhere in between?
1: I think for a lot of people, it's been a positive, especially for people just starting out because you can get a following really quick. True. Not the watch hours you need get monetized but at least the subscribers yeah. so uh, I think it can be very beneficial I've dabbled a little bit in shorts I don't have I haven't made a lot of them most of the shorts I started with was me singing because I was conflicted about do I still want to sing but I also wanted like trailers for when my videos were premiering so in the meantime that people had something to see that was more personally me instead of just work focused. So I started yeah. making some singing shorts with just some pictures and just put that as a trailer. People often got confused like, this is not a new archeological discovery. I didn't click on this video to see a woman singing. It was like pictures of like this blonde bimbo, all that stuff was wow. fun. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> um, I've tried to make some shorts from my long form videos. A short video for me is eight minutes. That's like my shortest content that I upload. Yeah. When I started, I sometimes made like shorter videos with like a a very short, simple discovery. Um, But usually my content is eight minutes and above, mostly around 15 minutes. So for me, making a short video using not many words. Like, do, do people even know me? <laughs> I can't do that. I use way too many words. I, I, I'm a talker. So I tried to condense long form videos in short form content and I spent like 12 hours editing, still hating it, thinking I leave everything that's important out, upload the short, hate it. So I don't make many shorts. I've been thinking about making some short form content about like uh, human evolution in 60 seconds, like that's even possible. So the, the fact that I've been thinking about things like that means I must be losing my mind because I don't think it's possible.
0: I think it'd be but good I will like, try. I mean, we you know how you do those uh discovery videos. I think a lot of times if it's a discovery that's not maybe that big a deal, but it's, it's still something yeah. you should be aware of. I think it would fit in 60 seconds.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. a possibility actually. Hmm. I can think of that. Thank you for that. Yeah. In my mind. Sure. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I uh, I do have conflicting views about oh. YouTube Shorts, and I, I do make them, and I've found some <laughs> success with them. And yeah, it's a it's a balance because I've got a new subscribers. Like they've kind of kept my channel afloat for a while. I mean, there's only 135 people watching this right now at this moment uh, because yeah. YouTube doesn't really promote live streams that much, and uh, yeah. or, and plus not anymore. Amazing. But no, for, like, I can make a crappy short and it's still like yeah. it promotes it. I'm like, why are you promoting this so much? Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, like you kind of have to just go with it because you, we want to keep this ride going. And it, I mean, it's not all bad. I think there's a lot of things you can teach in 60 seconds. Um, but the other thing that I think you didn't bring up is uh, we want viewers to stick around and, they don't really stick around if they just are keep scrolling through uh, short videos. Same thing on TikTok. Yeah. They don't really. They, really they, I
1: mean, for YouTube, it's perfect because they stick around on YouTube
0: right. for longer
1: because they're scrolling. And that's why YouTube keeps pushing me. Well, but shorts, they also, shorts this.
0: When they're not scrolling on, on through shorts, they will get recommended longer form content. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've subscribed to this person. Whereas TikTok does yeah. not do that. And also TikTok uh, pays even less than YouTube does for shorts, which is yeah. ridiculous. Um, are you on TikTok? Yeah. No. Uh,
1: I The shorts that I've made are also on TikTok.
2: Oh, okay. And I, I, I uploaded it, like uh...
1: when I uh, had my owl tattoo um, when my grandma passed. Uh, oh got an owl tattoo for her. So when that was finished, like the finished piece of that, I've got that as a TikTok. And just some travel videos, like short form um, captions of like a temple facade, things like that, I've, I've created into like TikToks. But hmm. I've, I want to dabble a lot more in like TikTok and short form content, but I probably should find myself an editor for like short form stuff. Because oh, honestly, yeah. I want to use too much words and information <laughs> and just crap that all in. It, it, it's, it's not good to have a cramped TikTok. That's just, nah. it has to you're be like too a little much. bit that's what you're concise. To say.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I always talk too much. That's my thing.
0: Oh, uh, it's okay. No, it's...
1: <laughs> Why else would you be here for nearly three hours?
0: Uh, Is this your a... longest 10 questions? Actually, no. I think the longest episode ever was a tune shy So you, I think that was like four hours. So don't worry. Oh,
1: okay. We're on. good. We're good. We're
0: good. <laughs> I just realized. I was that like. Now you're going to be like, uh, you know, constantly thinking about that. Oh, I got to be, I got to shorten what I say. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, no, I'm it's fine. Soon, so,
1: okay. I, have, I think it's my turn. It is. It? is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since you're quite into politics. You know that there are three countries outside of the country of the Netherlands in which the inhabitants are able to vote in Dutch elections. These countries are Saba, St. Eustatius and Bonaire and they are known as the island council in our elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three other Caribbean countries in the kingdom of the Netherlands, like they're part of the kingdom of the Netherlands, they are not Able to vote in our elections. And these are the countries of Curacao, Aruba, and the Dutch half of the island, St. Martin. But yeah, but were you aware of the three that are able to vote in our elections?
0: Yes, I was, only because I did that research for the video when I compared the Netherlands and Belgium. And I was like, this is totally a, a similar situation to the United States. We have these territories, part of the country, but at the same time, the citizens there, they don't get a vote, they don't get true representation in our legislature. And so they're kind of in limbo. And it's weird because I don't know how they are on these islands, these Dutch islands, but uh, the, and their islands in the United States as well. Um, But they are the people that live on these islands often are conflicted because they don't really want full independence a lot of times, but they also like, man, I wish I had more say in government. So they kind of just go with it generally. And um, I know like it's, it's especially the Pacific territories, the ones that are way out there are less likely to like want to become independent um, because like, Oh, this military protection in particular Um, whereas Puerto Rico, which is like, it's pretty close. um, There's a growing movement there. I think that where they want to be at least a state. And there's even a lot of people there that want to be a separate country even, which I, I didn't even know when I, until uh, the last few years, I was like, Whoa, they want to, why would you wanna leave the United States? <laughs> but so it, that's it, the thing, like
1: yeah. all six of these islands, including Suriname, mm-hmm. the country on like the South American plane, uh, they used to be like part, part, part of the kingdom and elections and all that stuff. And it was like important, they were part of us, but they wanted independence.
2: Mm-hmm. They wanted
1: to be their own. But these three that are still allowed vote in the elections have decided to be more of like they're a separate state within so like they're still part of. They have Dutch passports but the other three as well like Curaçao, Aruba, Dutch half of Saint Martin people born there get a passport from the Kingdom of the Netherlands because they are officially a citizen of the Kingdom of the Netherlands but they were born in their own respective countries. (laughs) But the three that wanted to be able to vote in our elections decided that they just want to be a state within instead of an independent country of the kingdom of the Netherlands. So the only thing that the three islands that don't vote have in common with us is that they have the same monarchy. Our king is still their king because they're part of the kingdom of the Netherlands. Yeah.
0: Is it which were they? Which islands are they here? Are they uh, further north? Or, uh, it's uh, the lower ones. Yeah, it's those. Okay.
1: And I think okay. Saint Martin and Saba and uh, Saint Eustatius are like on the uh, higher one of the circles.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, and then I I you have the country of
1: Suriname, which is above Brazil.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's not like shown in this uh, graph. Yeah. For
0: some reason. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: no, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, New Zealand was New Zealand once, so founded by the Dutch, just like Australia was first settled by the Dutch. We did things.
0: Yeah, no, I know. We also Um,
1: messed up a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they just didn't have. I mean, I think what it came down to is a a lack of settlers. Um, Same thing with the Spanish, even Uh, the English just brought over more settlers in in those uh, early years. And that's what it came down to. All right. We're down to our last, uh, the questions. last one. Yeah. And, uh, if you're just now joining us. If you're wondering <laughs> what the heck is going on, uh, I've been chatting with, uh, Kaylee during, yeah, History with History Kaylee is the channel subscribe to it. If you haven't already, uh, focus on really just ancient people's ancient stuff. Uh, and we have been asking each other open-ended questions, uh, and my final question, oh, let me do the ticker thing, is, uh, what's the most annoying thing about being a YouTuber in 2024? <laughs> like the thing that you're uh, I don't
1: think about that often. It's the, um, I think the amount of misinformation being spread and then people attacking me and my factual information for not including the misinformation. So, <laughs> I think that's my biggest annoyance. It's not even like the harassment that I get. It's just people attacking me for not covering the Bosnian pyramids. Which aren't pyramids, it's just mountains. So uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> things like that. Like like when I make a video on a new archaeological discovery, or I do a fact or fiction uh, video in my playlist. I talked about like is there a pyramid in Antarctica? Like, no, it's been covered with ice for millions of years. Of course, there's no pyramid built by people there. It's just a mountain. And then people attack me for like, you're you're lying about all this and you're in the deep state and, and all that stuff. And then it's like, would you, you're you also one of the people that would say that the Bosnian pyramids aren't a thing. And then my response is like, yeah, the Bosnian pyramids aren't the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, like no evidence pointing to it being a man-made structure. It's the amount of misinformation that's being spread. It's it's insane. So I've made one video covering like the dangers of pseudo-archaeology according to like the academics. Because like I still need to change that title to like according to the academics, because I made that video with academics. Yeah. Um, they helped me out. And I'm gonna make a second installment in a couple of weeks, maybe months. We'll see. I'm still working on my Neanderthal documentary that I started early Jan- November. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not very good at like scheduling things out, but um, I'm definitely gonna make a part two about pseudo archaeology and like the spread of misinformation. And I'm this time probably going to work with like content creators that deal with this, like make reaction videos or things like that and see our side of this entire nuisance online, like how we deal with spread of misinformation and what we can do to combat that. Yeah. But that's my biggest annoyance. It's just being attacked for not believing in something that's, not evidence-based at all
0: how dare yeah. i
1: not believe in giants
0: <laughs> What? <laughs> no I, I i can relate to this because i mean i made a video last year it's actually the video i'm most proud of that i released last year although it didn't really do as well as i wanted it to it's about how do you know usually if the case true yeah right uh but how do you know if something is true or not and i think uh epistemology is so important like if somebody makes a claim i think the whoever's around them it's really important that you ask that person who made the claim how do you know that why do you think that where what's your evidence um and actually cite your sources yeah i mean once you say cite your sources you start to come across as like pretentious and annoying i get yeah but like
1: like, where did you get that from yeah
0: I mean, this is what I did when I was a kid, and that's why I ultimately turned out to be, I mean, I think a lot of people lose their curiosity as they get older. Um, and I think to make curiosity contagious, I think, is going to solve a lot of the problems with misinformation, because people stop being curious. They And it's what what's uh, kind of ironic is a lot of these folks that believe in this stuff, in the pseudo- stuff for lack of a better way of calling putting it um mm-hmm. they think that they're free thinkers that's what blows my mind like, they're all repeating the same talking points they all say the exact same thing, and then and then they think they're free thinkers like oh you just you just believe the the expert you just oh. blindly believe the experts i'm like well you blindly believe your own experts like you think yeah they, except your experts have don't have evidence that's the difference between my and they always
1: and all say the same 10 About ten points. It's like a bingo card. You can make yourself that bingo card if it's ancient history or not. I mean, every pseudo whatever pseudo history, they all have their own bingo cards in their own perspective niches. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can just you know print that out once, like or like make that once. Print it out like a thousand times, and then once you come across like one of these people, it's like okay, let's see how fast we can get bingo. (laughs) Yeah, ten seconds, maybe thirty. Max, like usually it's like that. When I get a comment, it's like, hey, that's point one, and it's point two. That's it. Bingo. Next. It's it's constantly like that. And yeah, on Twitter, we have them a lot. In my YouTube comments, we have them a lot. A lot of words are hidden on my channel. Some names of people are hidden on my channel, mentions of them. Yeah. really because oh. i don't want certain names to be used in my comments because only pseudo people will use them pseudo believers well what do you and they will attack me for not
0: then they'll be yeah. like people will be like oh you're just hiding the information you don't want the truth to be yeah told.
1: yeah no like i there was a person that i needed to block from everything because uh, last not last november but the year before like when ancient apocalypse came out I had liked, mass liked some tweets of uh, academics responding to it and voting, uh, voicing their opinion. And I just mass liked them because I wanted to read them later on because it was my birthday. I just wanted to have a good day. Okay. So I mass liked some tweets, didn't like barely read them, just wanted to make sure that I was able to find all of them later on in the evening or like the next day. And then an hour or so after that, I was uh, attacked by a alternative history YouTuber, uh, Bright Insight, Jimmy Corsetti. And uh, yeah, he tried to cancel me on Twitter for mass liking tweets, because he went through my liked tweets. Wow! And like one of the tweets that I Had liked during the mass liking of tweets to read back later, talked about like white supremacy of like, and like the Graham Hancock stuff. And he called me a white supremacist because of that. And he tried to cancel me, even though I had just mass liked some tweets to find back later. (laughs) Didn't do anything wrong, I thought. Uh, Felt bad, went to sleep. And then the academics and all started following me and Moss. And instead of being canceled, I grew 2,000 followers
0: in two days. So thanks, dude. But uh, (laughs) every time there's controversial topics, it just helps you in the end. That's why I I, eventually. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I blocked him. He blocked me. But I also tried to block him and mentions of him and his following, who mention him often in their comments when they try to attack you or harass you, because he often tells people to just go ahead and harass people which they did to a lot of the academics. They have like, some of them still have like very bad reviews of like being bad professor or rate my professor, websites like that. And they have still have like super bad reviews because he told his people to harass them on that.
0: I thought you couldn't use that site if you you couldn't prove you're a student, like.
1: Yeah, well, there were students that did this.
0: Oh, yeah. That's yeah, so scary.
1: it's uh it's a thing. So that's why I've decided to make sure that mention of his name and stuff like that is not allowed on my channel to safeguard myself
0: from those which we house. do not speak of.
1: Yeah, and like other words for like the other harassment stuff. They're not, I mean, I've got like a massive list of blocked words on my channel.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for so, all of our mental health, I think it's just good for us not to look at the yeah. replies and not look. I stopped doing that. There's fun, It's funny because there's a lot of people who think that I look at like they, they talk a lot of trash to me and uh, they think that I, I see them. And 90 percent of the time I don't. I've muted so many people and they think yeah. they're just shouting into the wind. They have no idea that I can't hear them. Yeah. It's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's why I'm, um, my engagement was always like mm-hmm. very hands on. I used to engage like a lot until I went viral back in 2021. And then I, ever since my engagement has been going, and yeah. I'm at the point of I'm not sure how much I want to engage. I love the viewers that are just normal and yeah. normal oh, comments, and you I want to I want to show them that I I I, I want to thank them and respect them and show them the same respect back. Take a bit of the time of my day to respond to them, but it's getting to a point where even in normal comments, there are like these underlining things that you just see. They're there. They're often there.
0: Shout out to History Headlines, who is also a um, college professor. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll (laughs) wrap this up with your last question for me. This is a very
1: simple, easy one. So I mean, the okay. last one I thought just ended a little bit fun. What's your favorite historical TV show? <laughs> Simple.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, when I, I, I wasn't was sure kids,
1: if this was asked or not, you know? So I was like, yeah, yeah just No one has ever
0: asked me this. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I used to watch the show MASH every day. Um, it's about the Korean War. Um, and it's a comedy, really? though. So it's kind of a weird, like, Sometimes randomly drama. Uh, so that was that was my favorite history show growing up. Uh, partially got me into history. Plus my my grandpa, the same one I mentioned earlier, was in the Korean War. Um, but let's see. Um, as far as con- more contemporary, I don't watch a lot of historical fiction or historical stuff in general. Because I kind of want to escape it. Because I, I spend all my time reading about it and making videos about it. So I'm just like, okay. I'm done with it. Like, you know, the, uh, what, what's that one show where the, the Nazis won world war two, the man in the high castle or something like that.
1: Something like that. Yeah. Everybody
0: kept trying to get me to watch that. And I was like, ah, it's just, I'm just done with Nazi Germany. I, cause I was actually around the time I had just finished a, uh, Nazi Germany class in, uh, grad school. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm done, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I remember
1: covering Nazi Germany in in high school, and it was just, it felt like uh, forever. Like, it felt like the entire school year we just talked about Nazi Germany, and then we were done, and I was like, yeah, it's going to take me about a decade to start watching or reading anything about Nazi Germany again. Yeah. Yeah. Went like that, kind
0: of. (laughs) I still watch historical movies, though, like. Although I embarrassingly have not watched Oppenheimer yet, uh, so yeah, I watched
1: it actually in the cinema. Yeah, did
0: you did you like it
1: with my mother in law, my brother in law, and my sister in law? Because my boyfriend had already watched it with his friends. How dare he! Uh, it was a historical movie, and he didn't go with me. Like how <laughs> dare! And then he had to go to like Curacao for the navy for two weeks, and I was like you know what, I'm going to just ask his mom if she wants to join me, and she did. And then his brother and the girlfriend of his brother joined as well. So we were like, you know what, we're just going to watch Oppenheimer.
0: Dope. I and like it how you movie. already called call them in-laws, so that's a good sign for your relationship. Oh yeah, no,
1: we like, we're, we are like together, together. I mean, awesome. I'm, practically, I'm living in his house without officially living here because I still have my apartment, but I won't have my apartment for long. We, Yeah, we, we've been Aware that I'm going to live here officially for a couple months now. Just making time to like pick up and like pick up everything in an apartment and package it and then like hire people to like move it here. I've, I've moved 21 times in my
0: life. Oh my God. I don't
1: like moving. Like I'm a bit done moving. So that's why I'm just like procrastinating it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Me and Mrs. Beat have, have, we figured that out. We've moved eight times since we got married. We got married in 2005. So, uh, Yeah, that's that. But I think he beat us. Yeah. Um, La Hooper, who are all the contenders to become the 51st state? Uh, Well, the Netherlands, of course, is the 51st state. (laughs) (laughs) Now, probably Puerto Rico, Washington, D.C. Those are the two biggest contenders. Um, But I mean, that's really no one else brings up that. They don't bring up the other territories like Mariana Islands or Guam or anything. Those are really the two. Uh, I think I got all the super chats and we've gone over three hours, so we we probably should wrap this up.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: Uh, p- well, you but you said you're a night owl, so I'm glad I, you're, because you do seem like wide awake despite this late hour. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's uh, 11 p.m. and I'm awake
0: and nice. I will be awake for like at least two,
1: maybe three hours. <laughs> Even if I go to lay in bed right now, like after this, Directly go to bed, I'll be awake until like 1 or 2 a.m. Wow. It just always happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: know why. I'm sad we never had a state called Kanawa. Yeah, me too. Um, All right. Well, if, uh, yeah, in case you haven't already, by golly, you should uh, subscribe to History with Kaylee. I put the link in the description of this video. And this is also a podcast uh, in case you want to listen to this in the future. It's, you know, RSS. There's a, like it anywhere where you get your podcast. This also is a thing. So, um, but for those of you in the chat, thanks for being here uh, live. Um, And I know we had some trolls this time, but uh, I appreciate uh, Thanks to the mods for kind of handling those uh, 12 year olds who are lonely. And... uh, (laughs) that's the thing most of them are just lonely they need a friend uh so but yeah kaylee thank you for being here and i just gotta say uh i really enjoy talking to you so getting to know you is great i
1: had a good time (laughs) this was fun thank you for inviting me and uh i uh, hope your channel keeps growing because you're gonna get that million soon dude
0: oh yeah i hope it has to happen (laughs) i mean it just has
1: to happen someday
0: soon (laughs) Unless I just get canceled, right? Uh. No, All right.
1: don't be canceled. Not going to happen.
0: <laughs> All right. If you say so. All right. Well, thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, and we'll see you for the next episode.